Hey, 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 Droid is ready. He's a national treasure <laughs> to me. I hope he hears this. In Chapter 2, Castle Rock Season 2, the Institute was released. Dr. Sleep, that piece of garbage pet cemetery. <laughs> I think there's bigger things to fucking be pissed about. I think I'm just getting to that age where I'm just like, I can't fucking hold on to like this anger over goddamn cartoon aliens in a fucking movie made for nine-year-olds. Like, I can't hold on to it. Hello, Long Walkers, and welcome to Long Walk Short Drink episode 81. I'm Palmer podcasting to you live from Dayton, Ohio. And I'm Dave talking to you from Northfield, Minnesota. Welcome, buddy. Welcome indeed. I was just thinking about 81 and now we're, you know, for a long time there were the numbers were relevant to things like we'd think about presidents or 37 was one we talked about Kevin Smith yeah. for whom that's a I hope 19 was something Stephen King related even but anyway, but so now we're into the 80s. I just realized, like, we talk a lot about things from the 80s. So oh, 1981. Yeah. Oh, shit. I got some shit I need to talk about from 1981. Uh, I just realized. I, I'll talk about it later. I just, But that's a really nice coincidence. Uh, so it'll be fun over the next 10 episodes. Honestly, probably the next 20 to, or more, because we can correlate it to years that we were alive remembered things oh yeah <laughs> yeah oh man that's kind of fun when, when, whoa man when we get to episode 99 oh shit. man <laughs> it's gonna be big on so many so many levels that's, that's what right. she said oh yeah i hadn't thought about that till that moment but yeah anyway so that's that's pretty fun uh and like i remember when we first started i was like i'm gonna letter the i'm gonna number this file with three digits because you never know, yeah. we might get there, and it's like we can see it. That's crazy. Oh man! So uh, yeah, episode eighty-one. The last time we did this, we were joined by the entire cast plus yeah. live in Dayton. We had just seen Star Wars Episode Nine: Rise of the Skywalker, and. Uh, Man, I, that whole night was like watching a train come in <laughs> from like a hundred miles away. You know, it just looks like it's never going to get there. <laughs> and then the next thing you know, it just rockets by and it's like, you get it. I remember we were at, you know, the next day we were at pumps, uh surprise birthday party. Yeah. Uh, we can talk about it now that it's not That's a surprise. Right. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I just remember, like, I bailed so early. I was just so exhausted. Like, it had been like this roller coaster of emotions and just like 
all like so much had happened in such a short amount of time. I was so whipped. <laughs> like, oh yeah, me too. Which one? Where did you bail early? You mean on, on at Pumps's party? At Pumps's party. Oh, yeah. I probably left within a half an hour. Twinkie did too. Like, okay, was, yeah. I think Cram stayed and 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 uh, Jacko stayed and Logan was there later. Which we that's yeah. the one thing I was bummed about we missed. But by that time, two yeah. people were well in their cups and. I felt the same way too, where it was like, there's a lot crammed into that time, but yeah, it was, it felt like the train just like, yeah, like I remember yeah. it. I, there are certain things I remember really clearly about like crying in the movie next to you or yeah stuff like yeah. that. But, uh, Twinkies like Mohawk mullet. Was, oh like, yeah. Looking so good. Fucking awesome. <laughs> and like, well, cause when we were recording, you know, we're in a straight line, so everybody's in profile, just like in the movie <laughs> oh. here. So every time I would look to my right and see Twinkie like laughing into his microphone, I would see this like awesome mohawk, like yeah. oh, just like <laughs> god damn. Every time I would see it, I was like, you gotta write fucking cannibalize. Like that is like, <laughs> the world needs to see him like just fucking just ripped <laughs> when on one arm with a rod, just ready to beat people with it, like. He's growing uh, his hair. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. It's just, it's so inspirational. I, I'm just like, yeah. So that was so awesome. But it was just like, in the moment, it didn't feel like it was going fast. Like, I felt like I got to really experience the moment. It was definitely in hindsight where I'm just like, oh, it's over already. <laughs> you know, like, you know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that, that, uh, that sucked it um i'm just looking forward to the next reason we have uh to get together yeah foreshadowing <laughs> <laughs> well uh. tonight we gather as we as we do uh, starting to do uh monthly but we've got something of a tradition of talking about the uh our favorite things from the year past yeah i, I always want to say best of whatever but uh favorites i've been trying to say so that it's not like the best of our show from the last year. It's our the things that we we discovered in 2019 that <clears throat> yeah our we best particularly like yeah yeah. Um, are you drinking anything other than um, that water bottle? Yeah, I got there? a few. Th I got a variety. Oh, we had a, we had a New Year's party. Yeah, I'm gonna need you to tell us a little bit collectively and, about uh, that because yeah. yeah. And so I these are all left. These were all beers that we bought for the party. <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah, I definitely have something. This has got a little go coffee it? in it, so hopefully it'll help perk me up a little bit. Uh, -huh. uh, so let's crack this open and we'll drink this and then, uh, uh, I can talk about the new year's party, which will be a yeah, good please. segue into <laughs> the, um, into our best of, right. Cool. Or, or, or favorites of. Yeah. Right. Hell yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to do a pumps three. You ready? Okay. On three and three. Nice pumps three, yeah. I was I was oh, happy when there was that kind of roasting portion of the evening or whatever, telling uh, pump stories. It was fun to hear some I didn't know, but there most of them I did, and it's just sort of nice to know that because there's a lot of things for me, especially in, when it comes to our group of friends as the sort of archivist thereof that uh, uh, I, I think I hold perhaps more dear than anyone else does. <laughs> Um, so it was cool to hear some of those stories that, uh, I was like, Oh, I'm glad they remember that too. <laughs> I, and, and like, I don't know. I, part of me feels like that's, there is a spectrum thing where I don't want anything new. I just want to repeat the same stuff over and over and over again. 
and I love and it, it is heartening for me to know that everybody still loves those same stories too and still wants to hear them and isn't getting tired of them you know like yeah it, it was good for sure um yeah so so tell me about your you we actually we talked on the phone a little bit um just this week and so you were telling me a little bit about the new year's party but yeah what i got i got the most glorious text that if it's okay with you i'm gonna tweet this picture or you should tweet this picture of palmer in in some sort of costume that i just couldn't stop looking at and just kept making me laugh out loud and i got i got a little bit of the story behind it and so Here, i'm hoping i'm sending, uh, sending you some pictures oh that oh <laughs> Ooh, i just nailed my Oh, your mouth into the microphone yeah, and bit my lip. So oh, <laughs> I got geez. very excited about this picture. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. So tell me so, everything. Tell us everything. Okay. Uh, so we wanted to have. <laughs> Sorry. I just saw the close up. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to, we wanted to have a party um, to try to. We had mentioned during cookie weekend to my niece, I think we want to have a new year's party. She's like, that's great. Uh, we want to get out. My sister volunteered to watch my niece's kids so that her and her husband could come down, uh, which it, it's such, I I'm sure you know this, like it's, it's nigh impossible to try to get family to visit us, but there's this like, immense expectation of us always like traveling to them uh do they, uh, most of everyone not expectation is it a kids thing because i do find that like a that's lot of part time of that's go part where, of it is like where the, the kids, kids are the, yeah that's part of it um which i i get i get that um but then you hear about them traveling and doing other stuff and it's like well you could come here too sometimes then yeah yeah uh so <laughs> but that i that sounds like i'm ungrateful like it was that what I mean is it's so rare that they come down here it, and I had my stepsister and stepbrother and my stepsister's boyfriend came down, which was awesome. And then my niece and her husband came down and my nephew came over who lives down here. And then we had a bunch of friends come over and I had like a pinball friend come over and it was just it was this big group. It turned into a really awesome party. We're up to like four in the morning. Oh, but right. the, let's like, like, let's all back. Let's backtrack though. So Ash and I love our comfy clothes. Like it's like, uh, it's like how fast can we change into our sweats <laughs> in the winter time and athletic shorts in the summertime yeah. when we get home. Right. And, uh, so I was like, listen, I say we have a pajama new year's party so then we can be in comfy clothes and we'll just get fun pajamas <laughs> and the idea was i was going to get like uh, or initially i was gonna i have one of those like red long john union outfits that's oh, like yeah, yeah. all one thing with like a butt flap the back door i was yeah. just gonna wear that <laughs> and i was like and i was like no we should get like fun pajamas so we found her pajamas first and they're they say like fa la 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 llama and then there's just a picture of a llama and they look like ugly christmas sweaters yeah. and they're funny and so i'm a big guy and there's only a few places that i can get fun stuff or get stuff that fits me it's almost impossible to find fun stuff for me in my size 
and I went to one of the like few websites that I can get stuff and went there and went to the like sleep and leisure wear and this amazing teal and gray velour track suit. It was right at the top of the page. Yes. And this character instantly was born in my head when I saw it. And I said, I need to have those. <laughs> and I need to get this thing and these, this thing and this thing. And I'm going to do this to my beard. <laughs> and Ash is like, okay, I'm in. And so <laughs> Drewski Bloyette was born where... <laughs> It's just this Eastern European guy in this tracksuit with this big gold chain and chest hair. And I had my mustache shaved down to like a Wilford Brimley mustache. <laughs> yeah. And I had a fro like a a curly haired wig and my sunglasses and a pinky ring. The pinky ring was crucial. And I would just, <laughs> yeah, that's a nice touch. I, I would just pop into the room and just go boy it like that the way we <laughs> say that noise which so there's a russian expletive called boy it is how you say it oh. and that means like damn or fuck okay and so i just made it boy it and that was like my last name but like i would just and i would like cock my lip out and with that mustache it would give this like awesome look and i would just go boy it and i would have that look and everybody would just like die laughing it, we woke up in the morning like the next day and like the first thing i said i was like oh boy it like, <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah it's just this crazy character so um what i sent you like i so i sent you a picture of what i look like with just my mustache and then me in the velour tracksuit. That one with your fist kind of cocked back because you can see the ring and you make yeah. it a face. That's the one I got. And that's just the best thing <laughs> that, that happened to me this year so far. <laughs> Except maybe that last photo you said that's just you and the mustache. Yeah. <laughs> there's something great about that. <laughs> um, and then there's the invite that we made for the pinball party is in there too. So. Yeah, I like it that. It ended up being a great time. It was... Uh, we had a blast. So, so you'll tweet. We'll tweet uh, or retweet or something. At least one of those pictures. What's the name again? Sorry, the Drewski Bloyet. Drewski Bloyet. <laughs> Bloyet <laughs> on uh, on our Twitter account at LWSD Pod. Oh, man, yeah. I hope yeah. that's not the last we've seen of him. <laughs> so, so we. My whole take on it was, we had pajama party on there. So, and people showed up in their pajamas, which was awesome. Some people didn't, but a lot of people did. And then uh, I didn't want to put costume on there and like scare people from coming. So I, oh, but yeah. my thinking was if they showed up and I was playing a character, like maybe next year, somebody would be like, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to play this character. And so, and that maybe we might get a couple characters and then like the year after, like more characters. And then all of a sudden we're in this like, character new year's party i mean it'd be that's, so awesome that's amazing yeah and so um so ash asked me the same question she's like so what like do you keep drewski bloyett and 
And I think that right now I'm leaning towards I just change his pajamas, but it's always Drewski Bloyed in just like different pajamas as opposed to like creating new characters every year. I mean, if I get caught with a bug for a new character, I will do that, I guess. But <laughs> um, I like the I have an idea for next year's pajamas that um, if things go the way I want this year, then uh, I want to get these I want to do these one kind of pajamas. So I love yeah. it. <laughs> so we'll see. Oh man. That sounds, yeah. My new year's was not remarkable in that way. The bride and I generally, uh, sometimes we'll go to a movie or something. We do kind of like appetizer, almost like our wine and cheese, but sometimes, sometimes they do very different things. I think we just swap something for like little smokies. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember what we, Oh, you know, we did. I think we, because we do New Year's morning, we do a kind of a couple's Christmas, she and I, and um, yeah. just like, pff, just buy way too much stuff. And it's kind of fun because we'll do the shopping for one another after the holiday where we travel to Ohio, where both of our families are. So um, I think what we did was, uh, we did, some, for some reason, because of Star Wars and the Star Wars rewatches and stuff, we didn't watch any Christmas movies at all this year. Uh, until then, we watched Home Alone and then Home Alone Two, uh, which was really fun. But yeah, super low key for us. No, that's no Drewski Blitt. <laughs> no, uh, no, no, that, that's great. I'm glad yeah. that the rest of your holidays like shaped up okay because that that was going to be my question was how oh, the rest yeah. of your holidays went. So they were great. Yeah, good. it was good. Yeah, and um, uh, I don't know how much we talked about on the show, and it's not worth detailing the whole thing. But uh, the new rescue, Je- Jeff Jeffrey. Uh, had heartworm treatment. He's still in the last like 30 days of it. And so he has to be kept calm. So we were just petrified about that and how he would handle it, but he handled it pretty well. And, um, he traveled so, well. All that went well. I mean, he does okay. not travel well, so he has to be uh, drugged. And unfortunately the bride had to get him out there on her own because I was out yeah. early for all of our stuff. And, uh, right. But I mean, it, it did work out. There were no like incidents. We didn't have to take him to the pet emergency room. I think I was telling you the other day, there's, and actually, I think even since I talked to you, we found out that he does have another UTI. And so his unique oh. anatomy, unfortunately, um, makes him very prone to urinary tract infections. And um, I don't know. So we're going to get him through this heartworm. Uh, it's like treatment. Like they say heartworm treatment. You have to treat like dogs for heartworm so they don't get it. But he has it. So he's getting it cured i guess you would say yeah yeah uh so once he gets through that then we'll thank god we have like our vet out here is just oh she's so great and um so once uh once he gets through this this heartworm business we'll probably take him to her, to her and, and figure out maybe start doing surgeon consults and he might just ultimately <laughs> she <laughs> The bride keeps calling him like a trans dog, <laughs> and it's kind of funny. But I'm like, don't say that because he's been tortured. That's why he has this. Like, that's why he's not. He didn't choose. No, it's he, not he, like he's it's, not identifying. Right, it's not some outward expression of his inner life. It's like he was mutilated. So yeah. anyway, but we're he's uh, uh yeah he's such a great little guy and uh, uh yeah he's got some issues but thankfully we're we you know we have the means to. I don't know. See him through it, and he's a great—he's a great joy to us. But uh, that was a big part of our holiday, and and even now we've got kind of like the—you know—it's kind of fun. Is that you can picture my house? I was about to describe something. We have like when you come to the door, there's like a side window, and it's all sort of yeah. like, not boarded up, but like construction paper and stuff. So you can't—he doesn't see somebody out in the street and freak out. 
But I can now, since I've been to Dayton, I have much more context when I'm looking at at, uh, at you through this small window because, like, I've seen your house. I've seen the pinball yeah. parlor in person and played Monster Bash and the ACDC game and Elvira, ooh, la, la, la. Uh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> that Jurassic was really Park. Cool. Jurassic, yeah. 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 So, but, um, well, we, uh, so <clears throat> we have some dog stuff going on, too. Uh, Tank's so Tank had a Ash said Tank has this adorable underbite for yes, those of you who hasn't seen him. Um, and I came home from work uh last week or the week before, and Ash was like, One of his teeth are crooked, and and I'm like, Haha, very funny. Like, there, there's a lot that are crooked in, in his mouth. She's like, No, one of his underbite teeth is like pointing in the wrong direction. And so I like reached down to like touch it and it just fell out in my hand. Like it was, had just like, oh, it was man. Out. and I'm like, oh no. So I was like, make an appointment. He's probably due for a teeth cleaning, like to like get all, knock all the plaque down. And she, pro- he probably has more teeth that are ready to come out. So she'll probably have to take those out too. And um, we made that appointment and it ended up, we had already done some, we had already had some issues where Tank has really just kind of gone downhill in the last like year or so uh, with his walking. Oh, uh, just yeah. really like yeah. kind of struck. I don't know if you noticed it when you saw him, like he just kind of struggles with his back legs a little bit. Yeah, and, Moto is uh, really sensitive to that because the Shih Tzu, yeah. he's very familiar. Yeah. Caring for those. And so um, when we sh- went for this consult for the teeth to for her to kind of like make the assessment of if he needs his teeth cleaned and uh we were like well while we're here let's just bring up these couple other things because we had already went there once and she identified arthritis and she like has him on some medication like a pain pill basically and that helped a lot initially um but then we just noticed some more stuff getting worse and so we started to talk about it and uh she diagnosed degenerative myopathy. Basically, their um, spine is not sending the proper oh. signals to their hind legs, and it's Shit. a degenerative disease that, like, it's really bad. It's it's. Oh no! Like he's gonna eventually lose control of like he looks like he's drunk when he walks, and like kind of, like his like back leg and hips like kind of wobble, and he just will lose all strength and will fall over. And oh, no. uh, eventually that will even spread to his front legs, I guess. And it will just get to the point that he can't stand up. Oh, so, um, which at that point, like there's, I have a whole, <clears throat> I commend people like the bride who can just give so much to that. Um, but I, and it's not the matter of where I'm just like, Oh, I'm not worth, it's not worth putting that time into that animal. So just put it down. I'm not, it's not like I'm like that. It's a dignity thing for me. And uh, I don't know. I just feel like he wouldn't want me to hold him up while to poop, you know? And yeah. And one time, if he can't move, I mean, what are you going to quit your job so that you can move him around? (laughs) Exactly. So um, it just, like we made the comment because we are going to get his teeth cleaned 
And I made the comment. I was like, so then is it just like general maintenance or whatever? And she's like, you probably won't have to worry about it again. The teeth cleaning. Uh, oh, that's a terrible stuff. feeling. Yeah. So, oh. uh, I mean, the more we read about it, it got really scary. And like, we did a little, like a lot of crying. And then, then it was just like, you know, we've given him such a great life and there's no rhyme or reason on what dogs get this and what dogs don't. It just, once it's diagnosed and if it's, cause it can be misdiagnosed. So there's that too, but once mm. it's diagnosed and it, and if it is that it's usually pretty quick and it's usually, uh, not fun. Oh no. Uh, like quick, like, like within, uh, like it's not fun or... fast when it happens. And so, oh, uh, my. so like, the nice thing is, is he's not in pain. Like I asked that multiple times in a lot of the articles that I've read is it's like the only upside to this like terrible, awful thing that is happening is that the dog is not in pain because of it. Oh, they, that is nice to hear. <laughs> yeah. Especially. So, oh. uh, it's just, it's just this, like, like his ass has a mind of its own. Like mm -hmm. he can't and, and, um, and it will eventually get worse and just spread to the point Shit. that, like, cause he has trouble, like where he's, he never had accidents and then he just started having accidents and, and it's not like he's pooping. It's just like, he can't control it. It just falls out, oh. you know, like he'll just be walking and like turds will just fall out of him. Oh but, no. You know, like, and he doesn't mean it. Right. You know? And, uh, yeah. So, Do you remember, I think it was Thanksgiving you were there. I, it was something like that with one of the Shih Tzus and Moto took him into the other room and like sort of reprimanded him, but we all could hear it. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was something like that. And he like, I think we found out later that he kind of turned him over because he, he comes in and he says like, I did this to him. But like, <laughs> we all we heard, all I remember hearing though was like, I feed you. <laughs> yeah. And you do this. Oh, sorry. I don't oh, mean to make man. light, certainly, of the, the tank no, situation, no, no. but that's I what mean, it made me think of. <laughs> it is what it is. Like, we are, we have kind of come to terms with it and just, like, oh. we're going to enjoy the time that we have left with Tank and give him as great as life as we can and get him a wagon so we can still go around the block and all that good stuff. So That's very sweet. That's We're just in the, like, five, you know, we're just in the, like, twilight years of Tank's life. Yeah. You know, so, um, and we're going to make the best of it and... You know, we have really become cat people. I never thought I would be cat people. Um, because I was like, so you know, the next dog that we get, I think that we should really consider getting a bigger dog that we can actually go walk and exercise with, you mm -hmm. know. And Ash was just like, I don't think that I want to get another dog until we move out of here. Hmm. And I'm like, okay, that sounds that sounds good. I'll believe that when I see it. But I'm just <laughs> yeah. so I'm just gonna keep the bug in your ear that I want a bigger dog the next time. Uh, uh, um, but okay, we'll try that. <laughs> Whatever you say, babe. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Can you still do the kitty voice? Oh man, <laughs> this is I remember this from uh, 21 years ago. Now 20. Yeah, 21 years ago. Maybe two, 22 years ago. Oh, pretty kitty. Oh, kitty. There it is. Chubby. Yeah. What was that cat back then? Chubby. Chubby? No, Tubby. Oh, Tubby. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I, don't, make that, I don't make that voice. I can I, imagine. Yeah. My voice now is 
I, I mean, it that like is. I still can't even hit that note right. It was impressive. Uh, it was somehow yeah. like really high back then. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> it was probably an octave higher somehow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my voice now is like, oh, Mika. There oh, you go. Oh, <laughs> pretty kitty. Who's a pretty kitty? Oh, most pretty girl. <laughs> Give me that tail. Pull that tail. <laughs> I like that. Gonna, I guarantee you, Mose will be up here <laughs> in like 30 seconds and oh. like weaving in and out. My legs want me to pull her tail. Uh yeah, I fully so, expected both of them to like help us blow up the internet with our episode eighty for them like crawling over the pinball machines. Oh my gosh, the Mika tags must is, not have worked. Like, I just <laughs> running my finger across the like timeline and yeah. showing Ash, she's like, "Look at her go!" Yeah, because it's in like fast forward, so it's, she's just like, boom, 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 you know. And I like, love that on the left, like, um, you can actually see like her cat sort of tower. Uh, yeah, and so she's like up there resting a lot of times when she's not like walking over the machines or or us as we're yeah talking about Star Wars. Oh, well, I'm sorry to hear that about Tank, but I guess I'm I'm glad to know what's going on. Uh, I have a great portrait I took of him when I was there. So it's just can. like it's one of those things where he's just going to get to continue living until he can't. I suppose and that's then, what all of us do, but it sucks to yeah. know. <laughs> like yeah. That timeline on it so i mean it is what it is but well so we we shall eat drink and be merry for him i guess we absolutely. can't eat on mike because that would be abominable but uh <laughs> we could yeah. drink a little and talk about the things we liked um so are you ready to get into our favorites from yeah uh, let's talk from last year let's let's do favorites of 2019 let's knock these out yeah so that Talk about Ula Lilia because I That's just right. want to keep out about I this know. guy. Like, I know we're building it up, and then it's we're going to be like, so he's. That's all right. That's appropriate, huh? perhaps, <laughs> for this guy. Uh, yeah, but all right. So I I did break mine down just so that I could help because a lot and historically we've kind of ping ponged, so I yeah. have broken down kind of by categories so that I can. Yeah. Anyway, that's. Oh, do you want to lead and then oh. I'll try to pick because mine are in no particular order. I just brainstorm them okay. and they're down oh, so, the list. Okay, sure. So well, like, actually, I, in that case, why, why yeah, don't you start just because yeah. it'll be a, a kind of a crapshoot because mine are like they're in an order that doesn't really make sense other than being grouped. So just hit me with like the first thing that occurred to you. Oh, okay. Um, this is one that uh, has been on my top 10. I think I think it was on last year, too. Uh, but it was just another great year for all things Stephen King. Oh, um, yeah. It, it, it just, it was a great, another great year to be a Stephen King fan. And I don't even have everything on, like, because I have, like, It Chapter 2, Castle Rock Season 2, in The Institute was released, Dr. Sleep, which was just a fucking fantastic adaptation, yeah. that piece of garbage pet cemetery, even, <laughs> even that was just, like, we're getting they're letting people make their own versions of Stephen King stuff like that's yeah. so fucking awesome uh the but you have the um outsider HBO series yeah. just started and he, like King is heavily endorsing that because of course he has a vested interest in endorsing <laughs> yeah. it I don't trust it uh, anymore but I'm yeah. always interested in things based on his properties <laughs> yeah uh that just started and then there was What's the other thing that you had pointed out? I thought uh, I have something for like a king corner, which I don't know if that's appropriate to do now. But, uh, you know, well, let's throw it in because we're talking about king. All things okay. kings. 
was the year. This um, was a, felt like a great year for Stephen King. Let me like, see if I have anything on. Well, I don't want to cut your own comments about him short. That was about it. So okay. that's plenty of things, right? Oh my yeah, god! I mean, <laughs> it, it just like it was just a great year to be a Stephen King fan. So oh, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Honey, come on over here, sugar buns. This machine just called me an asshole. top of the fact his trolling on twitter <laughs> oh, yeah. is absolutely phenomenal i, I don't I follow just, that as much give me an example i know he has I, this he, thing about his dog the thing of evil that the so i think the bride follows him actually yeah and incidentally he, he, the bride when i asked so i asked her i don't think there'll be other things i'll chime in about regarding this because she didn't had trouble thinking of things that were her favorites from last year um but when I was asking her about movies, she thought about thought about it. And she goes, she's like, I really love Doctor Sleep. So yeah, I was very su- not surprised to hear it because uh, of the movie because I I thought it was tremendous too. But I th- I just thought it was really interesting that she particularly liked it because she's I don't know that she's ever read a Stephen King book. She's not sort of into him like uh, we are. So for her to say that was was pretty neat to hear. That, that's um, great. And yeah, I, I mean, yeah, and it's a good one to it's a good one to fall in love with. I mean. It's, it's, Ewan McGregor is just, he is, he just swoops in with that performance. It doesn't, it, at first it just feels, you're just like, eh, but then you're just, he just nails it. He nails that like blue collar, every man. Yeah. And that wounded quality he has in the son of Jack Torrance thing, uh, really worked. I was so moved by his vulnerability with, um, yeah. Billy, I think, I think is the character name that uh, was at the, was it a halfway house or something like that? We talked about it and I, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and yeah. And I'm all about you and Greg on that beard. Jesus. <laughs> that was, I learned a little something about myself with that movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just like, so, I mean, Stephen King is pretty notorious for his blue collar every man mm-hmm. being the main character, right? Like, the, so many of his characters wear blue chambray shirts, to, and that like signifies their like working man status, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, or that even if they're not a working man, like they're salt of the earth because mm-hmm. they wear blue chambray shirts. Those like those like blue button down shirts, you know that yeah, with a kind of a pattern almost, but not yeah, yeah. like it's almost in the stitching, if anything. Yeah, and uh, and I don't think any other film adaptation of his work has nailed that archetype better than Doctor Sleep did. You know, yeah, it was such a wonderful uh, marriage too of our memory collectively as a culture of the of the Stanley Kubrick film and the novel. Yeah. Like to be able to sequelize both so effectively, oh, yep. it was outstanding. To that, even you know, the creator says are so drastically different, and somehow yeah. he was able to find a sequel to both of them. Just oh, it was beautiful, beautifully well done. So, yeah. well, the the thing that I wanted to talk about for the the K 
King Corner proper or whatever. Or I guess it's not a 2019 centric thing. Actually, I think it probably has a 2019 copyright, but didn't get delivered till January. And I'm just finishing going through it now. But I wanted to talk about the uh, Shout Factory, Scream Factory, Blu-ray of Silver Bullet here Ooh. from 1985 um that i had somehow so growing up i loved 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 werewolf stuff and actually this being episode 80 of our sh- or sorry excuse me episode 81. 81 that i wanted to mention something about um in my list for 2019 i'm gonna have just a handful like three uh i think honorable mentions that are things not from this year but one of my favorite things of those three was werewolf films from the year 1981. Um, oh, oh, wow. Yeah, I'm not sure what, Oh, and I do know what made me think of it. I don't, I don't have it with me, but, um, uh, arrow films, uh, in, uh, in Britain or, or arrow home video rather released this gorgeous, um, it's almost a box. It's like a box set in size, but it's only one disc of American werewolf in London. Oh, it's it's fantastic, and it has that has so much stuff. I wish I could review that all of a sudden, but uh, it was it that. A- sorry, yeah, it was that coming out that made me um, remember. It's like, oh, I've never seen. I've seen that tons. I love that movie, and it scared the shit out of me when I saw it in like seventh grade. Wow. Um, but uh, it made me realize, like, or maybe it was the. I can't quite remember like what it was that led me down this rabbit hole to, to like, I never saw the howling and the howling came out in 1981 also, uh, as did a movie called Wolfen. And, um, and I think actually, so I don't think it was the year, but it was another movie that I was curious about, uh, Neil Jordan's the company of wolves. So when we were on fall break, I, I watched, I think I watched all three of those actually, <laughs> Um, two, two. So there's three werewolf movies in 1981. There was The Howling, there was American Werewolf in London, and there was Wolfen, which is not as well re- remembered and not as, not as specifically a werewolf movie. Like you never see a werewolf in that movie. Um, that's a very cool movie. But anyway, um, so I just wanted to mention that, uh, because for me that was something I really enjoyed late in the year. Um, that's relevant to 1981. <laughs> and to just chime in too about our best of lists or, or favorites of 2019 we have predominantly they don't have to be things that were released or came out in 2019 just we ran across that that we they became a favorite thing for us in 2019 yes yeah yeah Th- this year i just decided to try to make more of an effort for them to be my my list of 10 to be more from 2019 but i would say the majority of things i consume throughout the year are not necessarily things that right. have just come out. Um, right. But so, yeah, um, getting back to Silver Bullet, I, I happened to, in 2019, that I came across Cycle of the Werewolf in my Stephen King chronology, reading through his work. And uh, and I got a paperback. I don't have that uh, with me. Um, but I really enjoyed it that I watched the movie, uh, which I, I, I watched. I liked it so much. And I was like, I would have loved this as a kid. Yeah. Like, I, I and I I think the reason isn't it isn't it like PG or or is it rated R? No, it, yeah, it's R. Um, but oh, it's R. it just I don't know, like the the box art or something. I it, it's funny because so one of the reasons I I think this <laughs> Shout Factory is so nice is they like if you look at the the cover here, there's all throughout you can see 
these images of like the different sort of stages of transformation. You see the silver bullet wheelchair bike. You see yep. the scene of like the car chasing the kid, the the peacemaker bat dripping with blood, the the smiley face, which I'm sure is a nod to the howling kite dripping with blood. But and one of the things I love about Shout Factory is that they do like reverse reverse like two side uh, sleeves, and so I like to like I have the slip sleeve that has the new art. But I like to do the original, the original, like when I pull it out. Uh, sure. So you can see here, looking at this poster, like it's not very compelling. Like it's just, I mean, for people who we have had conversations about box art and how it has stuck, like yeah. is ingrained in our head from looking in video stores. And you're right, like that is, I would pass over that every time. And I did. I th I think the only difference for me that I was seeing, like as a kid, is that there was probably shadowy, like chubby Gary Busey and uh, Corey Haim. <laughs> and uh, for me, Gary Busey was like, uh, he was Buddy Holly to me, like that. Uh, so yeah. I didn't want, I didn't want that <laughs> anyway. But yeah. um, not that it's bad to be like chubby for him. And he's he's fucking magic in this movie. But but actually, if you read on Wikipedia. Like they cite some of the poor business that it did at the time, which I'm not sure how true that really is. It might just be relative to other Stephen King successes, but they said contributed like a bad poster. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, same thing. Oh, really? Like they, they, that's part of the reason why Explorers is more of a cult classic and wasn't just a classic classic was because the poster had no reference to what actually happens in the movie. Oh, it's just like a so shot weird. of the of like a bike leaning up against a fence and overlooking the ravine that the spaceship was in. Yeah. But there's no sign of the spaceship. There's no that's all the poster is and it says the you know it says ex explorers on it and they huh. think that they the same deal the just poor marketing. Yeah, it, it's weird the way that works. So they really rectified that with the Shout Factory release. Um that uh so some of the and then so the special features are are relevant um new audio commentary with producer martha de laurentis um which i just listened to today i put it on a i streamed it to a device and listened to it on my phone um and then a commentary also with director daniel adius uh you can do isolated score oh interview with composer jay chataway i haven't i haven't listened to that yet i haven't found that yet New interview with the editor. New interview with actor Everett McGill, who plays the the preacher. Um, yeah, the only thing I haven't actually done is to rewatch the movie. I went through all this other stuff first, but one of the most fun things about it is that those things, the commentaries, etc., are produced by Michael Felsher and Red Shirt Pictures. Um, whenever I hear this dude's voice on these commentaries, I know it's going to be a good one because he he moderates it so wonderfully, uh, and he has such a repository of knowledge because he's been doing this like he was he was in the monster squad documentary um on camera being interviewed because he did the the special edition uh dvd at the time in like 2007 that helped wow. kind of bring that movie back into a kind of a well allowed it to be seen but anyway so he has done so many of these um genre cinema kind of re-releases that I, I'm noticing in this one, there's like copyright 2017 on some of them and they're like all new commentary with so-and-so, but I think the other, I think the director commentary might've been 2017 and um, this guy's just a, 
<laughs> He's a national treasure <laughs> to me. <laughs> I hope he hears this. Uh, but uh, so and 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 the his interv- the commentary with um, Martha De Laurentiis, like she starts to talk about all of the Stephen because she was married. She wasn't then. She produced this movie, but later became married to Dino De Laurentiis, and she talks about like how the studios got started in Wilmington with Firestarter and then the next they did the cat's eye and then they did this and then maximum overdrive. And so they were working with Stephen King like crazy wow. around this time. Yeah. And so this kind of dovetails into this other thing that came up um, around silver bullet that you, you had mentioned that there's a book with the screenplay as well yeah. as the, yeah. as the novelette as they sometimes call it. So I got that after we talked about it, like immediately, like, Whatever episode that was, I hung up with you. I ordered you found from Amazon. It. You found it while we were still recording. You're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna buy this. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. And you know it's crazy too. Like on the commentary with uh the with the director Daniel Adias, he's talking about. He's like, I think there was this book that had Stephen King talking about the movie positively, and I've you know I I saw it in a library in the 80s, and I haven't been able to find it since. And then Felsher's like, oh yeah, I have that book. It's and so he's describing this one. Um. And what the director's talking about is like a 10 page introduction forward by Stephen King that kind of says how the whole thing came about, which started as like a suggestion at a at a horror con. I can't remember the guy that suggested to him, but the guy was suggested it to him while he was drunk. He was drinking a lot at that time. Stephen yeah, King was amongst other things. Yeah. Yeah. And uh so he had this idea for an illust uh, for a calendar that had a werewolf theme that Bernie Wrightson would would um do the artwork and that it could have a short story per month and that grew into cycle of the werewolf yeah uh the novelette because once stephen king finally found a way into it he started to get excited and it was a little bit longer than the calendar would uh support and um and around that time he was working so like bernie wrightson did the, the artwork of the comic book for um, creep show and Stephen King was really getting involved in cinema and especially with the De Laurentiis group because like they were optioning all of his stuff and yeah. uh, I think they said that Cat's Eye was the first screenplay he wrote maybe anyway so he was new to it and in the forward here he talks about some of that and talks about he talks about the movies that I mentioned earlier that came out in 1981 the exact three like though yeah. he he actually mistakenly says American Werewolf in Paris <laughs> <laughs> which didn't come out until like the mid 90s and sucks yeah but yeah, um, it's awful. <laughs> so it's a it's a kind of an interesting history of like how the project developed he mentioned then that like dino was trying to get him to uh trying to get him to do like cat's eye and he's like no i couldn't possibly my schedule is too crazy and he's like dino just has a way of like getting people to do stuff and that that kind of kept progressing till dino kind of got him to direct maximum overdrive um so he, he talks about a lot of that. It's really fun. He said that the way that the movie really took hold was he was watching, just flipping through TV and saw To Kill a Mockingbird come on the screen. And um, he was really struck by the the child narrator in this kind of nostalgic view looking back. And that's when he that's when he was like, oh, I know how to write the screenplay now. And so that's all in there. Um, it was really... I'm reading the script now, which... It's fun because I've never read a Stephen King script before. Yeah. They reads a bit like the descriptions and stuff read like like his prose can. 
but there's also just like wild thing like the first killing at the on the railroad tracks where i think the guy gets like his head just like swiped off or something yeah. excuse me but in the screenplay the werewolf because he's the, the guy's drunk drinking beer and stuff the werewolf grabs his beer chugs it <laughs> <laughs> and like sings the song because i guess he's like singing a uh the this like i don't know the commercial song for the it's not bitter it's not sweet it's real frosty treat won't you try won't you buy my rheingold beer he's like singing this to himself so like yeah. the werewolf kills him drinks his beer and walks away like singing the song <laughs> <laughs> they didn't film that but anyway it's been really fun for me to uh explore this blu-ray and and, and this book and um yeah, and the, and and the other sort of werewolf movies in night of the early nineteen eighties, but but if yeah, if if you have any interest in any of that, you should definitely pick up um, Shout Factory's Silver Bullet Blu-ray um, from Amazon or wherever it is you get these sort of things. That's awesome. So that's all about that. Thank you for <laughs> giving me the chance to talk it through. That is spectacular. Uh, no, that's that's great. Uh, so what's your so that uh is was a definite long walk for a short drink. I know, that yeah. That wasn't even one of my one. things. <laughs> yeah. Uh so what's your uh so Stephen so King. All thing all things Stephen King was mine. What's your oh, first I'll on do, the list? I, I don't actually have i I'm notorious in these in some ways for having umbrella things. <laughs> uh, for like one topic that's many things. So that's my all things Stephen King was. So yeah, so was, I, was I only have juice. one yeah. of those. I think this time. Oh, that's oh not, okay. That's oh, that's true. what you're saying. I get you. <laughs> that's gotcha. not true, but I think maybe the best one would be. Um, I put Bruce Springsteen movies. Uh, there were two this year, um, and so I actually I, I wrote some things out just to help with the brevity of this. <laughs> so one of them was called Blinded by the Light, and it's based on a 2007 memoir, uh, which was called Greetings from Burry Park by Sar Franz Man- Manzu. I'm sure I'm butchering that. Um, the film follows Javed, uh, a British teen of Pakistani descent, growing up in London, England in 1987. And Javed's turbulent life amidst the racial and economic turmoil of the times is transformed when he's introduced to the music of Bruce Springsteen. So it's like the late wow. 80s. It's an Indian filmmaker making a movie. So it's about like not who you would picture when you picture like the blue collar, like New Jersey American, like white guy, Bruce Springsteen singing about, um, life, the life and times of, um, you know, generally when he's singing about that, it's kind of the, his father or like family that he's or community that he's seen go through this stuff. He'll tell you in his memoir or whatever, he's never worked in a day in his life, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> he sings about it. Um, <laughs> uh, but anyway, so, it's, it's very interesting to see then. So what happens is this kid, like he wants to, he, he does write poetry and stuff like that. Um, and there's all this uh, unrest in England and people are like, it's kind of like if you see Bohemian Rhapsody, like people are it's a, kind of looking down on him, like calling him a packy, like it's a bad thing and all this. And, right. and uh, there's like kind of race riots. and um, But anyway, so this he this guy who is also Pakistani, I think he runs into in the, in the, in the hallway and he, a tape falls down or something like that and he picks it up and it's like born in the USA or something and anyway so he introduces him to the music of Bruce Springsteen which they even joke in the movie it's like that's your dad's music or whatever like my dad's music not not my dad Dave or whatever not 
but, but like it's for your parents it's not for young right. people so even in this movie he's kind of square for listening to it but it's like he it's such an open-hearted movie like he just like he sings the words and like it turns into a musical where like people are like oh, lining wow. up it's like a magical realism thing um yeah. it's it's really sweet i don't know it's uh and it's so and, and it's based on this true story like it's actually this guy that wrote the the book um this oh. was like his story and it's kind of about him and his father and oh it's just beautiful so if that sounds good to you check that out um and so the What's other the name you drop the name again blinded by the light is what they call blinded it by the light like after the right. after the song and then the boss co-directed a movie for the first time he put out an album called western stars that was it's this kind of like quasi conceptual piece about well, here, I'll just read the thing. So the boss's director, co-directed with longtime documentary collaborator Tommy Tom Zimney, who he made this great documentary about darkness on the edge of town, the river. They've been working together a lot for for a number of years, like kind of telling his story of all his, uh, his albums, his older albums, looking back. Um, but this is talking about uh, his brand new one. Uh, so touching on themes of loss and love and loneliness and family and the inexorable passage of time. The documentary film evokes the American West, both the mythic and the hard scrabble, weaving archival footage and Springsteen's personal narration with performances of all 13 songs from the album Western Stars, backed by a band and a full orchestra under the cathedral ceiling of his nearly 100-year-old barn. So it's like shot on the premises of where Springsteen lives and... Um, very small audience and he's like performing these songs and then there's this kind of poetic narration where he talks about kind of where they stem from and his own life and but they're very fictionalized about it's it's almost like the whole album is about this like stunt man who's too old to work in movie it's like a real it's a character piece but he sort of relates it to his own life and this great uh voiceover and i got to see that in the uh in like one of those fathom events type screenings like it had a very oh, limited nice. release but i was able to like sit in a theater have it all loud and you know sit amongst other springsteen fans and so yeah that's kind of just the umbrella thing though i would definitely agree with you about the stephen king uh but that yeah. was yeah that'd be my first one awesome what's your next one i love the idea that yours are organized just as they came to you that's kind of fun for me because mine are yeah a bit more uh i well I, it's it's a result of procrastination it's like okay i need 10 things what are 10 things that's so right. i'm looking back through my like check register at like what movies i went to and like um oh yeah check register that's fun i actually keep i i started doing this a handful of years ago literally keeping like a media diary we went to oh, so really? Many, yeah, it's just a Google Doc of like films, TV, and then it's like bulleted. But that's what I... I'm not surprised pull, pull at from. all. Yeah, <laughs> it seems like not something I should have always been doing. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I kind of like it. Anyway, what's the next right. one on yours? All right, so number the next one on my list, again, this list is in no particular order. Uh, so my Jurassic Park pinball machine, uh, and, it, and it's only nice. because I did not expect oh excuse me i've just hit a level of play where i can really appreciate a well designed machine and everything about this machine just really impressed me and then i played it and i just fell in love with it like it just it's it is so fun i mean all of them are fun to play 
but it just for something about this machine, all of it together, the way it's designed, the story behind how it was designed and who designed it and all of those things, it just all fed together and creates created this table that like I think about playing it like I think about a movie that speaks to me, you know, wow. like, yeah. And so it's, and it's the first machine like scared stiff is my the Elvira table is my favorite yeah. machine of all time. And for a lot of different reasons, none of them are like how I feel about Jurassic Park, though. Like, it's just weird. Oh. Like, it's 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 like a really good movie. Like, it it speaks to me in that way. Like, it, it hits those same things. And I didn't think a pinball machine would ever be like that. And it was. So, uh, so that just came out this year. Uh, you know, the guy who designed it is it was a champion. He's a champion pinball player. Who designed another table that when that went into production and came out, people really liked it. So then Stern asked him, like, what would you want to make? And he wanted to make Jurassic Park. And so they made a Jurassic Park table. And it's so good. It's just really good. So I this remember. one. I played it at Tilt yeah. with you. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. So uh, this one, uh, this comes with a couple uh, honorable mentions, though. So. Uh, the honorable mention associated with this would be just the pinball community in general. I will never cease to be uh, just floored by how awesome the pinball community is uh, as, it, 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 overall. And then uh, the second honorable mention would be my Monster Bash pinball because that just, oh, yeah. it's amazing. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and that was new to me this year. So, oh. That's so yeah. fun. I, I Mabel, I mean, it's extra fun for me because I had that experience with you both at Tilt, but then like by the time I got to your house uh, a few months later, you had them of your own. Yeah. <laughs> That's oh, so yeah. cool. So true. That's great though. Yeah. That's really great. Yeah. So lots of trading, lots of trading and work to get up to there. Yes. So. Yeah. It's not like they don't magically appear. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, yeah. So that's my number two. Sweet. Um, I'm trying to think because I don't have anything that's like an object like that. So I'll do, um, I guess I'll do another, the other umbrella thing that I have. Um, was kind of a new thing. I mean, the bride and I sometimes go to theater. Um, I just recently did my, um, since like 2000, for like 16, the last 16 years in a row, I have done an annual music mix that is made up of, it's kind of the same approach except for just for music for me of stuff that's new to me this year but um for me that actually became very much like a kind of like a diary especially as i was a music an active writing performing musician for most of the those 16 years um i yeah and i'm very lyrically focused so like i one of the rules that i make for those lists is that it has to be something i would myself want to sing which i must admit is Wow, is having to change a bit. So it's it's an oddly vulnerable thing for me, but it, it's always been nice to share and like people share with me their own mixes. Um, ba back when you were done doing a WPLMR as mix CDs, that was sort of similar. Anyway, it's been a yeah a fun tradition for me that I've almost stopped a couple times because as a forty year old, <laughs> you know able-bodied straight white man with like all of the like there's not much speaking to me from contemporary music um because of i, know, what I still I owe you that it. mix you asked for a mix oh yeah stuff, yeah um, i still owe you that 
Well, I'll just throw this out just because it's super quick. Because one of my honorable mentions is the song "I'd Love It If We Made It" f- oh, from yeah. 1975 that yeah, you played that's me a on great the way band. Out. Such I, a great band. Uh, so if you're curious to, <clears throat> that's all I'll say about that. Just to not take too terribly much time. But if um, so, what I do now is uh, I don't actually make physical CDs anymore. I make a, a mix on Mixcloud. Which if you go to um, mixcloud.com/slash dol records stands for dreaming out loud uh records um there is there you can find all the 2008 run of palmer's first podcast wplmr oh which was kind of mixtapes like every month yeah Um, yeah and uh but if you scroll down you'll see a long walk short drink moto music mix from 2017 uh that's kind of similar i mean like whatever it's a little bit similar to a mix i put together but anyway Okay, I, I'm digressing quite quite a lot, <laughs> but so what I was so, so the 1975 song is on there where I sort of tell about how I so what I do is I write up a paragraph about each song. Sometimes it ends up being multiple paragraphs. It's, <laughs> it takes way longer than perhaps it should, but it's really nice for me to look back on and remember. And the idea, I mean, it's just for myself, but I do know other people listen. And the one year I didn't do it at all. Um, my my friend that I kind of turned on to this tradition who's taken it on and kind of deepened it for himself, Kevin Conway, um, I ended up having to write one for him individually. <laughs> so I just, I've just kept to it. And so now I make a point of doing that. And in that paragraph, I talk about this song and how we listen to it on the, on the basically private DJ uh, session that you had when we were driving up to Alamo draft house and here in, uh, in the twin city area to watch Goonies. Um, but I actually, so I was going to not talk about the song, but I guess I will a little bit. Cause I should with you who introduced it to me. I saw that band on SNL a few years ago and yeah. their singer infuriated me. Like I could not <laughs> handle it. He had like no shirt on. He seemed as though he was like high on heroin. Like he was heroin. Yeah. chic. Cause it was like his, his pants, like probably showed pubic hair. They were so low, like leather pants. And he was just like wiry. And I was just like, was, fuck you. <laughs> he had probably fucked in a car shooting heroin, I guess. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, and even then when I like came obsessed with the song, I wanted to write a paragraph about it. I, uh, I did like a, I found a like track by track singer talks about the song. I'm like, great. That's what I want to know. I want to know how like this guy's expressing himself through these weird, like non sequitur lyrics. And I was like, Oh fuck. I can't, I can't deal with this guy. <laughs> like I yeah. hate him or he bugs me. That's what it is. It's, it's much more to do with me than him, obviously, as these kind of things are, but I am obsessed with this song. Like I love it so much. It actually came from 2018. Technically, it was the only reason yep. why it's not on my 2019. There's something about like the throwback 80s thing, um, and he talks about so the like fuck uh, like he refers to a lot of the really dark, sinister things that are at play in uh, in our world right now. And uh, but when it gets to the chorus, it's just like I don't dance. I just don't like. Uh, maybe someday I will. But it makes me want to dance. Like I just that yeah. song is just I love it so much, and so yeah, it's very, it's empower, empowering or moving. Like the just like, it's it's so lifting. Yeah, even though it's like awful things. Like yeah, the verses, and I kind of appreciate that about it in a way. It's it's the the Springsteen model of like the blues and the verses and the gospel and the chorus. Like yeah, um, but. 
uh, yeah, it just it makes me so happy. So when you played it, you played me a bunch of stuff, and it's not like I hated other stuff, but like this thing, I was like, I need to look into that. Yeah. <laughs> and so I bought it on iTunes immediately, and I found myself like just putting it on repeat, putting it on repeat, repeat, yeah. repeat. Um. Anyway, so that was an honorable mention that that came out. Um. So if we're gonna ping pong back and forth, I guess I should do an actual thing unless you have other audible mentions we can ping pong back and forth no no that was it fuck sorry okay all right what's your next thing? all these things i thought like did you if do we your get number two them, you haven't even done your number two yet i have no order but no no i mean your second two. thing not, it's basically I, just um broadway we went to broadway shows this year um, oh awesome and in a way it relates to that song in that it's on my, so some of the stuff is on that mix cd that i make so if you go to um davidalman.net slash 2019 mix you can read my paragraph that i sort of said about this song but like all the songs like i don't know 18 songs or something like that um one of them is from one of the stage productions we saw dear evan hansen um and yeah i don't know i've, I've talked a lot so I, i'll just i'll just rattle off quick the shows that we saw that i liked so much um we saw brian cranston in network um, which is like oh, nice. a, a stage adaptation of that movie. I'd actually never seen the movie, but the stage adaptation was amazing, and it was so cool to see him in it. Afterwards, um, the bride and I ran into Vince Gilligan, uh, the creator of Breaking Bad, and now we're best friends. We talked to him on the street, and we did not f- geek out. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're not really best friends. We're best friends with Ernie Hudson. We met in a grocery store here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway so we saw that um we went to uh twice actually to new york so i i have mentioned this on other shows i can't remember which ones because there are several of my picks that i'll just say like it's this thing go to this episode <laughs> i'm not sure where we talked about some of this and we went to new york twice but the general gist of it is like i had been there a lot like upwards of almost like 10 times or something like that because of um doing a film festival in like 2002 and bunch of music stuff so but somehow the bride had had never been there and so we went because she was able to get tickets to harry potter and the cursed child which is a two-part it's basically two plays you see them with a it's not just an intermission like you see it you take like a dinner break and you come back and see the rest of it but that that play originated in in england and is written by jk rowling and is the sequel to the harry potter books like harry and ron and hermione are all grown up and it's been 19 years since they um, did their battle with Voldemort and stuff. And so uh, so we, I think it was difficult, but somehow she got those tickets and that led us to take a trip out there and she ended up, and we saw a bunch of, and then, then she got really lucky with the network tickets because we were like, we were second row for that somehow. Oh, and, it, and it wasn't even as expensive as it should have been. And like Brian Cranston like came into the audience and he like, I was like this close to Brian Cranston's dick. <laughs> <laughs> Because he like had to put his like self in my face to get past me. Anyway, how did you not like? I would have just cupped him. Just, like, I I panicked. Him. <laughs> Let me help you. <laughs> I put my forehead forward. Yeah, uh, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I panicked. I couldn't commit sexual assault. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I yeah. Just, that's probably better that I just chose not to yeah. commit sexual assault. Yeah, yeah. but it, it was anyway. It was super exciting. Um we got those tickets and then i think on a lark yeah it was it was just a lark we were seeing signs around the um just like on newsstands and stuff that joey mcintyre from new kids on the block was in in a musical <laughs> i was like i'm needing to see that <laughs> and we were just joking about it because he was my favorite new kid as a child 
<laughs> but we did. And so we went to this, the musical of Waitress, which is, I actually own the movie that Carrie Russell is in. It's a very nice movie. And, uh, uh, a really, it was, we, we were like, wow, shit. Like it's, is just everything good if you come to see it on Broadway? So, so yeah. we came back, um, in the summer and we saw, um, To Kill a Mockingbird with, with uh which was adapted for the stage by aaron sorkin and starred jeff daniels um ed harris is doing it now if someone gets the urge to go out and see him do it um i can't recommend enough like that that experience if you think he would like it i think you would love it um uh the whole broadway thing uh we also saw oh shit what's that mm. oh i can't think of what it's called Oh well. Oh, Hades Town. We saw Hades Town, which was uh, really cool, and um, Dear Evan Hansen, which was the one that like really floored me. Um, that I just was not prepared for. It was like the 2017 um, Tony Award winning, I think, best musical or something. Uh, I don't love musical movies. I know you don't like them at all. <laughs> um, they make me uncomfortable. Yeah, uh, I don't mind musical stage productions. It doesn't. It. I just accept it more there. Uh, I hate. I hate. Like musical music, though I guess that "Blinded by the Light" was kind of a musical. I don't know. Maybe I like musicals. <laughs> you go see Cats? No, fuck no. Yeah, I, fuck that piece of shit. I don't like negative reviews. I don't like reviews at all that might plant some seed in my mind while I why I wouldn't enjoy something. Like maybe I enjoy whatever. So I don't like that. But my father in law read me this review of Cats. It was just scathing, but really fun. I think it might have been the New York Times. Like I was, oh. it was more interesting than like uh, the movie. I'm sure is like the review was really fun. Uh, I read a review of Cats of a man who dropped, who ate a bunch of mushrooms before he went to it, and oh, man, then that's better. Okay. <laughs> oh man, it was so good. It was that was a great <laughs> review. <laughs> Uh, I didn't actually, so I didn't read any review. The, all I needed to hear was that they had sent an updated version of the film to theaters. Oh. And like, it, 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 like <laughs> it had already been in the theater. People were oh, already shit. watching it. And the studio released another version in the opening weekend and asked theaters to replace the file on their servers as fast as possible. Whoa. I've never heard of that. I'm ever, sure it's happened, but ever, it's maybe never not. Happened. It's Holy never fuck. happened in the history of filmmaking. That's some serious damage control. <laughs> oh, man. And the cast and is really good. Like The people involved, I feel so bad for them. <laughs> It, uh, I guess there was like unfinished CGI, like missing fur and oh. like, yeah. Yikes. I, it's awful. That, Just awful. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, yes, yeah, so, uh, maybe Cats on Broadway is probably better. I always think. No, of, uh, no. I always think of no, Jersey no. Girl where the the. The the kid always wants to go cat to cats, and they end up going to Sweeney Todd, which I wouldn't know if it weren't for Jersey Girl. So, but it's like this pretty violent play. But I just always think of like George Carlin going, "Take the kid to see the cats," <laughs> <laughs> and then I feel like being like Pop, you know. Anyway, but oh. uh, so yeah, we went to a bunch of Broadway plays. It was a very new experience for us, and we uh, really enjoyed it. Um, I won't get into it here just because because i wrote it out in detail but like the dear evan hansen thing that i loved so much and took me by surprise um 
that we there was an active shooter scare in Times Square as we were coming out of that. So oh yeah, um, I'll just tease that. So if you want to know about that, uh, you can go to <laughs> davidalman.net slash two thousand nineteen mix and scroll down to the Dear Evan Hansen. You can hear how we thought we were gonna die, but, but yeah. So just a a really umbrella thing, uh, the Umbrella yeah. Academy. <laughs> not um, not exactly, but. This I think is uh, no, it's not my last umbrella thing. But uh, I have my next one's an umbrella one too. But it kind of feeds in on, onto this trend that we're on. So mine was just live music in general. Ash made a nice. Ash and I made a goal this year to try to see more live music, and we saw some really great fucking shows this year. Uh, two of which was the Cage the Elephant Beck show that we went to, uh, that was just fantastic. And then we saw the Black Keys, which was amazing. Um, they were so good. So live music was a big one for us this year. I think I've had that one on my top 10 before too. Oh, that's a good one though. This yeah. is the first year um, that I can think of that the bride, we did not go to one single concert. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Wow. And I mean, with me, like used to play live music. I mean, I went to a do, you know dozens and dozens just by virtue of like being part of them <laughs> but right. yeah we didn't need, we did not go to a single one this year and that was kind of weird but i i have to be i'm a terrible live music audience member i don't dance i don't move i don't oh, me like either. yeah i don't cheer or anything but i'm i i'm like mesmerized by the process of them making that music i love watching the like it's like watching a mechanical device for me, you know, like watching a pinball machine is mesmerizing, oh. watching somebody perform and being able to create music out of instruments is just like, it's mesmerizing to me. I love that, that create that, that, that happening. And so seeing that happen, just me stand, like, I'll just stand there and just gawk at the, at the <laughs> stage, you know, um, well, that's awesome. it blows my mind. So, yeah. So live music, that was my next good one. Good one, good one. And uh, oh, I should have one. Okay, um, I actually don't have much music. The only music item that I decided to list here uh, was Fascist Puppeteer albums. My oh, my brother right. under the name Fascist I'm, Puppeteer. <laughs> I'm so glad you put that on there. Oh I yeah, want to be a fanboy. Oh, oh man, I thank am. God. I, I yeah. think I said it on my 2019 mix thing that I've been talking about. At some point in that, I'm just like my favorite album of the year. Um, or release, he's calling it. He's making this bold choice of calling it an album, even though it's six tracks, which I support. So I'm just, but I'm trying to, because it gets at my crazy like. So I like to call it a release anyway. I, it definitely is sort of it's worth that that. So practicing synthesis is the name of that. So in February, um, Moto collected um, Moto on the show. My brother in real life, Fascist Puppeteer is the one man band name. Um, he collected a bunch of songs that he had done over, I want to say from probably like 2004 to 13, and he put them all together into this mixtape that we put out uh, on the Dreaming Out Loud dot, dreamingoutloudrecords.com. But it's fantastic. He also was into having it elsewhere. So anywhere you stream music, I think with the exception of Pandora, you can listen to Fascist Puppeteer mixtape or Fascist Puppeteer practicing synthesis so once mixtape came out um well first of all moto came onto the show and uh, it was episode 64 and he told all kinds of anecdotes about it so if you're interested to and i think we played little clips of the song uh songs plural so go back to episode 64 which i think we 
called Fascist Puppeteer to uh, hear much more about it uh, or to, yeah, anywhere you listen to music to listen to, the, to his both releases from 2019. Um, practicing Synthesis, uh, I think I talk about on, on probably episode 79 is what I listed here, but I don't know how much and, and Moto doesn't weigh in on that, but uh, that was all new music that he did. So the, the other thing was a kind of a retrospective kind of collection of things, um, but practicing synthesis is all new stuff and really just incredible it's so good there's this one it's... guitar solo on uh uh destine odyssey that for the first like 10 times i heard it would make me cry and it still gives me goosebumps oh it's so good it's yeah it's my favorite uh favorite release of the year and my only music entry awesome i'm so glad that made it on there uh um, so Moto, like, so I'm finding threads here where yeah, this is right. good segues. <laughs> uh, so this is something that, um, is guaranteed always to bring Moto onto the show. And this year we had season two of this thing and anxiously awaiting season three of this thing. Uh, it would be Cobra Kai and just how glorious it is it never ceases to amaze me it brings a smile to my face anytime that it comes up um i even though it's not something like i'm just like constantly looking up like things about it and it kind of just sits in my periphery until it comes out and then i binge it and then it sits in my periphery again you know uh man but when it comes up it just makes me happy and just everything about it is so good. So, um, but this, I, I, the, so I have something I want to share uh, with this. So I'm not gonna, this is going to take a little bit before I send this link and you click it. So I have a, a pinball friend who has become a fan of the show. Uh, 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 like he has just, He'll just listen to random episodes. Like, he'll just send me things. Really? Like, he's listening to some random episode. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, oh. just listening to it all the time. Really likes just really likes the show. So, he sent me this thing. And he's like, I think that you guys need to go to this. And you need to record an episode. Whoa. Uh, so, here's the link. Uh... Let me see. So just oh, wait for the special guests. Oh, Ralph Macchio. <laughs> wait. Kevin Eastman. Oh. Ali she Nice. The Goot. The Goot. Look at him with his shirt off. Yes. William Zabka. <laughs> wow, wait yeah. for it. Oh, and my Marco. God. Holy All shit. three of them are going to be there. Where is this? <laughs> Lexington, Kentucky Comic Con. Kentucky, when is this? Uh, so this is March 26th through the 29th. Whoa. Uh, it's uh, Mark, the uh, the Beastmaster is going to be there. <laughs> I've never seen Beastmaster. This could be the time. I remember <laughs> that's an early episode thing, too. <laughs> I should, why watch Beastmaster? You're like, yeah, you should watch Beastmaster. Yeah, you should. <laughs> it's like, he looks like, what do you say? He looks like a combination between Mark Hamill and uh, 
my Mark Hamill's Luke Skywalker and and Schwarzenegger's Conan the Barbarian. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Who, so that's so cool. I'm into so that idea. <laughs> he um he was like they're all three going to be there. It would be like, I think it would be a good time. And I would love to hear you guys talk about meeting them. So I don't know if I can meet them. Yeah. (laughs) I would like to see them speak. I don't know if I sure. I don't don't think it's good. I don't think it's that kind of thing. I think it's like, it's going to be there. (laughs) It's like, there's a lot of people like there's this. Oh my God. Tron is going to be there. Bruce. Holy shit. I got to turn this page off. Because the names just keep coming. That's how I met Obar, James Obar, finally. Is yeah. That something like this uh, yeah. that happened to come to my area. But Kentucky is not that far from Ohio. I have a I have an Ohio project that I don't want to talk too much about just because I don't want to talk so much about things that haven't happened yet. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Let's talk about so more like about this. two hours this. for me. So it's, it's about um, two and a half months from now-ish, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But I thought maybe if Moto came down, I even thought about if if you can't even make it out, maybe trying to convince Moto to come down. Oh, that's and a we just great do idea. like a, a long walk, short drink, road trip out oh, of it. That'd uh, be amazing. Because uh, I'm sure he would have fun too. Yeah, uh, getting to to meet to you know see those guys at, yeah. at the very or least. he could meet them. I I just have a weird thing about that where. It's just I, I, I would imagine it would not be a talk. It would just be one of those like, yeah, like you, you pay, pay. $15 <laughs> yeah. for an autograph yeah. and you get like 30 seconds with them, basically. I don't know um, if I want that with these guys, but I, I yeah. actually, Cobra Kai, so Cobra Kai is one of mine. Just to ping pong back and forth. Cobra Kai season oh, two is one of awesome. mine okay. as well. Right. So we'll scratch that both off. We'll yeah. The, that's great. Our uh, It's our episode 70. Uh, we talk all about Cobra Kai season two, episode by episode. So if you want to hear more about our feelings and Moto's feelings on that go to that episode. Um, I think I mentioned it on another episode and I didn't bring it up amongst my visual age, but contrary to what the showrunner said on Twitter one time, they're like, this will never be on disc. There is a um, DVD double disc set of season one and two that comes with headband of two headbands, one of the, the Miyagi uh, kind of thing and the other of a Cobra Kai. And uh, uh, so I have that downstairs because I was uh, like, Oh my God, I got to snatch this up. I don't know why it's DVD and not Blu-ray, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I think there's a Blu-ray of season one, whatever. I don't know. I'll, I'll take it. Uh, that show is such a delight. And I, when I log into YouTube, I'll see like these little teases about this is coming in season three and whether it's like fan stuff or, actual like from the Cobra Kai account I just I never click on it but I love thinking about or just like what if Terry Silva Silver I think it's Silver he just pronounces it Silva the ponytailed villain um, buddy of Creases comes back that'd be amazing pretty sure that Ali Ali Sheedy uh, or no or no Elizabeth no. Shue yeah, Elizabeth as Ali Shue, Jesus Ali Sheedy was just on that thing is what's her name's mom I'm guessing at the hospital I'm pretty confident right? of that yeah yeah and maybe Mike Barnes comes back like the guy that uh anyway I, it's just been so fun that show so uh, that's very cool that's one of yours as, as well yeah um yeah so just Keep the keep the uh, the Comic Con thing in mind. If it's a possibility, I'm gonna look I think into it. Would it. Be sweet. What a, I I haven't met this person, I, I, but uh, 
this new listener. I'm a I'm a big fan of. I like the way he thinks. I'm guessing. It yeah, gets a Dayton heat. flipped, man. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks for being a good friend. Thanks for being a pinball buddy, man. Yeah, uh, I hope you. I hope you hear that. I hope you hear this on this episode. So, and thank you for the suggestion. I, yeah. Well. Uh. So it. Uh. If it worked out, that'd be awesome. Uh. But I'm. I. I just. I just got to see. Uh. I've got to see you more in the last six months than I have in the last five years. Right. right. Like. Yeah. You know. So. Uh. I. I don't want to get greedy. <laughs> but, yeah. But, but. Um. It, I just, it's almost too perfect that we, it's been such a big part of this show and it's two hours away from me, uh, pretty much. Yeah. And Moto too. And like I said, and, I have and, and, uh, yeah, an excuse yeah, to come you know, out Once there. he would get down here, it, it's so close. Like it's so manageable. Yeah. So, oh, that sounds uh, really fun. <clears throat> so, I mean, there's a few avenues that I wouldn't mind exploring, but I just don't want there to be any pressure because again, I don't want to get like it. It. I I can't express how absolutely grateful I was that everybody was here, you know, in in December and just like um just so awesome. So uh I don't want to I just don't want to push the universe into like <laughs> me expecting that all the time because I definitely don't like it and it would devalue it, you know. So um but I I just think that's too perfect. Yeah. So. Oh no. It was, well, that you know, the December thing was honestly very convenient for for me as well. I, I think yeah. kind of kind of all of us, except for maybe Twinkie. <laughs> yeah, except for poor Twinkie. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So I have that 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 one too. Like Cobra Kai. What's uh, what's your next one? Um, uh, Cobra Kai. Like, uh, so the next one is another um, overarching one, but it's just. It was a good year to be a Star Wars fan, I think. Um, and especially for me, just because it brought everybody here to Dayton. I got to I, I got to do something that I never thought would ever happen, and that's have a full cast recording in my pinball parlor. Like yeah. not even that uh, something that I would ever think I never even thought that would be a possibility that it was something I was pining for. You know what I mean? Like it was Yeah, you didn't even wish for it. <laughs> yeah, because it's the so like of course, everybody's not going to come to Dayton. You know what I mean? Like from across the country. Uh, <laughs> and then it kind of just happened that way. So that was fantastic. I, nobody comes to Dayton. That's the thing. <laughs> you know, like, That's the theme of this episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I got I got people to come down to Dayton a lot in, the, in one month. It yeah. was crazy. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, all things Star Wars. Especially uh, Babu Freak. Uh, oh, yeah. That's my oldest friend. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Babu Freak. Like, That's a great pull. All right. <laughs> Droid is ready. Love that guy. Like, I haven't seen this Hello. I kept I'm saying Freak. over and over again for weeks. I was just like, like, I would just randomly be like, all right. Droid is ready. I'd get out of the shower and I'd say that, you know, and like just like any context that it would work. Uh, and like just randomly go, hi, I'm Bubble Freak. Uh, yeah, just. <laughs> and then uh, at, we were at Ash's dad's and stepmom's for uh, 
for Christmas and there was a BuzzFeed list that was like the top, like Babu Freak has like stolen our hearts or something like that. And they just had, it was just a list of tweets, like awesome tweets with in, of things about Babu Freak. And like some person asked Alexa to like play Babu Freak saying woohoo, like on loop. So it's just like him going, hey, 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 like, <laughs> uh, that's it's what that, the internet is for. I mean, he's just so <laughs> tiny. Like, it's just such a small character and such a small part, but he stole my fucking heart, man. Like, just absolutely adorable and awesome. And just like, I want to hear his story. Like, I want a Babu Freak movie. Like, I want to know about that little droid, uh, oh. that black market droid uh, programmer, you know? Like, Oh man. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I love that that's who you singled out. I, I didn't know his name by heart, but now I do. <laughs> so <Yeah>. I'm glad. <laughs> oh. Star Wars was also mine. The Oh shit. Yeah. I it wasn't overarching because I didn't see I think particularly because I didn't see Mandalorian yet. Um but I just put episode nine. Um I really enjoyed it. Uh yeah, I was so, I mean, so, yeah, episode 80 for us. You can hear all my thoughts on that. Um, but uh, what, what what was I going to say? Oh, uh, but but now that you mentioned the overarching, so we did the the rewatch uh, leading up to it. And I think I mentioned in, the, in episode 80 how I was engaging with some of the previously, like, released editions of the other movies and, and whatnot and um, re- rewatched the, the original trilogy as part and and the the prequels on the I want to say it's like 2011 Blu-ray and so it's you know things were extra fucked with and stuff like that which for what I don't know what to make of that exactly but um we've been watching the special editions on not to cut in on yeah, Disney no, Plus and yeah. they don't seem as bad like it doesn't seem as jarring I don't know if they've redone stuff again but we haven't made it to Empire. Like we only have actually watched A New Hope, but A New Hope, oh. other than the Han shot first thing, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, the, for the most part, it wasn't. Nothing really jumped out at me where I was like, "Oh, that fucking like I'm all I hate the fucking special editions." In but, the in the new in New Hope, like I don't love like the extra stuff on Tatooine uh, of the like coming into Mos Eisley. Oh yeah, the, all the dinosaur stuff. Yeah, like I don't yeah, love that stuff. Um, we do Sorry. get like, oh no, please. I, I'm glad to, I'm glad to think about this actually, <laughs> except for what, how I don't love the special editions in a lot of respects. Um, the, it is really nice to get that extra scene with wedge. I think it is, uh, in new yeah. hope where it's just like, there's no CG anything. It's just like a flat out extra scene. Um, he's just excited to see somebody he knows. Yeah. And, yeah. They yeah, tie it back to yeah. his experience. Um, you know, before Luke was a part of all this, on the um I haven't and watched it made Wedge dying when he dies in the fucking canyon. Like you actually feel bad now because it's like we yeah, just you know found somebody better. like he just keeps losing these people that he can like relate to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there's the um I th- I didn't watch them actually, but there are in the two thousand eleven uh set uh outtakes that I think include that scene with Luke, like on Tatooine in in like uh, not a bar, but uh like talking, you see how he's unpopular with his friends and stuff. And I think there's other deleted scenes on those Blu-rays and stuff. So I did enjoy those. Um, Empire is the least fucked with. Uh, 
Jedi, of course, like the Ewok song of Jedi. It's just a travesty for me to to not have that. Yeah, and also to replace the the band in Jabba's palace with CG nonsense is. I can't stand that. That's yeah. that is worse for me than the Ewok song. Is that Jabba oh, palace well, scene? Oh, oh, I see what you mean with the replacement. Yeah, it's I. Well, and so one of the things that I rewatched, actually, what I was getting to, it's like that's the thing about Star Wars. You get all upset, <laughs> or I get all yeah. upset. Is the I feel like the rewatching and all the stuff I did kind of not gave it back to me. I I became much less ir- irked <laughs> with George Lucas. Like when I think I, there's bigger things to fucking be pissed about. I, I think I'm just getting to that age where I'm just <laughs> yeah. like, I can't fucking hold on to like this anger over goddamn cartoon aliens <laughs> in a fucking movie made for nine year olds. Like I can't hold on to it. Like. I'm mad that it happened. Move on. Like, just, you know. First off, thank you for giving me the opening clip. But Yeah. <laughs> I t- uh, so one of the things I rewatched was um, From Star Wars to Jedi, which is the Mark Hamill narrated thing that mostly has behind the scenes from Return of the Jedi. I'm sure you've seen it at some point in time, but it's not actually available since like VHS releases in the the like the original one last time whole era and okay. it's just it's really fun like you and, and they spend a ton of time in that little like I want to say it's like an hour or less focusing on the creation of that band in Jabba's Palace and Jabba's Palace is kind of like George Lucas's at the time it's like here's how I'm revisiting Moss Eisley this is like what I wanted to do <laughs> you know to have yeah. all this going on so they show like how they make the band. It's so fun. But there's when some of my favorite stuff in that behind the scenes uh, movie is you see stuff of the the cast, uh, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill with the Ewoks. And you see like Harrison Ford trying to make everything funny. It's he's like, no, we we have to say it all at the same time for it to be funny. Just tell them 3PO. Like so anyway, it's. That's a really fun document. It's, I think it's actually on, I'm sure you can find it on YouTube. It's on uh, StarWars.com. I, I was trying to find it digitally, and then I was like, okay, I'm going to have to bust out my uh, VHS. So I'm going to add that to the pictures I'm tweeting. Um, so the, you got the the <laughs> Drewski Boyat. <laughs> I got some beautiful portraits of Tank that show his underbite um, oh, from yeah, when I was yeah, out there. Yeah. And I'm going to um, post this picture I took uh, of holding this the VHS copy I have of that from Star Wars to Jedi because it's it's Lucas around that time standing in front of all the models on the, that's the cover of the VHS oh it's kind of breathtaking and yeah. I guess that's kind of what I was getting at so like between that the wonderful kind of composite period accurate or like pulling from the period of like interviews when they've been on press junkets and stuff and various commentaries from over the years that they did on that 2011 set and watching, rewatching from 2004, I think, Empire of Dreams, like a three-hour documentary about the original yeah, trilogy. Yeah, and that's the one that came out in in that silver box set, yes. right? Was, yeah. yeah, I kind yeah. of forgot about it. I guess and I did watch it. it was considered it. like the most comprehensive Star Wars documentary yeah. of all time, like up to that time. Yeah, And that, that documentary is amazing yeah like, it's so like for um for someone like me who loves documentaries about the making of movies and stuff it's so dense with like the memorabilia 
and so, so much of the yep. clips and stuff that they show even from especially in new hope are like not they're like straight from the camera takes so like yeah it'll show like uh han solo standing next to Ch- P- chewbacca peter mayhew and you hear his voice like you hear like where did you dig up that old fossil and like peter mayhew will say like this guy's a crazy like in english and yeah uh, anyway so that that whole thing I, that whole experience of like re-watching them listening to all this stuff gearing up for episode nine i feel like kind of just gave me back some perspective on the whole thing to where i was less like and i was never exactly a george lucas rape my childhood but i was upset about certain changes and and sad about the character of the sequels but sorry prequels but yeah going through all this it just kind of I don't know. I just sort of embraced it all, and I was like, "Wow!" It puts into perspective the achievement of it all, and uh, and just the wonderment. I don't know. I I kind of got back a little bit of that wonderment about Star Wars, and to where I went into Episode Nine, like I was just so completely on board that I bawled the whole way through, like in a, yeah. in a good way. I fell for every little thing. I felt yep. every little moment that they wanted me to, and uh, I just loved it. I I loved it so much and i've been talked out of it a little by the internet even though i've tried to avoid it but i still had those experiences (laughs) no there was in there i have definitely run across some stuff on the internet that made me feel like oh yeah i saw a really a really good one where they dissected i i know the last jedi gets a ton of shit and i kind of have put up a wall against a lot of it but I watched a guy who broke down the throne fight scene in the last Jedi and he ripped it apart, not for like where it fit in the star Wars story, but just from a like sloppy filmmaking perspective. And when I watched it, I'm just like, it doesn't matter what, how I feel about the story or anything like, yeah, like that's just lazy filmmaking and that's trickery. And that's, and I know like that's part of what filmmaking is, is like you're, it's a magic trick, right? And, and you do what you have to do. And, um, but some of this stuff, like he, he slows down the fight because it happens so fast. It's the throne room where it's like, where Ray, all red. It's like when Snoke gets killed and then his guard like attacks them. And there's like, he said, so he's like, regardless of how you feel about the prequels, it's you have to admit that they're and again, regardless of how you feel about the style of the lightsaber battles in the prequels, they were very well choreographed in the sense that they made sense in a fight, right? Like they that made it made sense. And he's like, now watch this guy. And there's one point where this guard intent like there's no there three of them are attacking kylo ren at the same time and for no reason whatsoever one of them stops stands up straight throws away his weapon and stands (laughs) like this and kylo ren is nowhere near facing him yet like nowhere near ready for him and then turns and sees him and stabs him after why would you throw away your weapon for no reason like (laughs) Did Double uh, D make this video? <laughs> no, 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 no. But it, it is up his alley, isn't it? Uh, this is so funny because it reminds me in a way like of a full circle from like the red letter reviews because like those are critiquing the emotional content 
uh, when I think of the the lightsaber battles, they're like it's just like choreographed dance stuff that doesn't have emotional weight. Is what I remember it as. Like him be like, yeah, it doesn't have emotional weight, and then the girls like chained to the thing, and there's microwave pizza. But um, yeah, it's so funny. So so it it uh, it rem- but that's the this guy makes an argument though that that's that's the whole purpose. Like the fights in Empire and in Jedi and in New Hope are emotional there's a lot of weight tied to those like like it wouldn't make any and the way he lays it out is so it's very coy it wouldn't make sense for darth vader and obi-wan to just come guns ablazing at each other in a new hope because they both are intimidated and respectful of each other like they're not going to do that like 70 or something (laughs) they're 70 years old like they're just going to tease each other out like they're it's a it's a mind game you know what i mean like they're playing a mind game and 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 so but the choreographed the over choreographed fight scenes with the lightsaber battles think of where the jedi were they were this pompous power in this republic that of course are gonna be showy and they're gonna be uh, flourishy and they're gonna you know what I mean like yeah. they're they're going to display part of it part of their connection to the force is this outright display of their talent with a lightsaber you know like and so uh, it w- it was really interesting to hear that alternate perspective of it yeah uh, it's funny because it turns the red letter thing to me like what right I'm hearing is like yeah yeah and it's, yeah. it also reminds me of what you were saying about like I, I can't hold on to this anger about this thing about the thing that makes me mad and I, I guess kind of comes back to where I am with a lot of it where um, I have I'm trying to have the experience that I want um, I, and I don't have to talk myself into it like I used to. Yeah, <laughs> so like, yeah. so last Jedi, like when I think about that scene in the throne room, throne throne room where I just saw it kind of recently, like rewatching it, it's filled for me. Like I didn't notice any of that because I'm so yeah. emotionally engaged in it. Exactly. And that's where I just I'm happy to be. Like, and that's the trick of filmmaking, right? Yeah. So it's like, so okay, yeah. Is it lazy and sloppy filmmaking that this is happening? Maybe for that like Lucas would not have let that kind of stuff happen. Right. Like probably not now. No, he was so like, they planned the fight. Like those fights were core that the reason they look so over choreographed because they were, yeah, and they had practiced them for four months. They would practice for months for one fight. Right. Still picture Ewan McGregor and those McGregor and those jeans. Yeah. I mean, he didn't have the beard, but still, he had the mullet though. Like he wasn't getting yeah, the spiky probably, hair by that yeah, point. Yeah. yeah, I remember the white so, shoes, the choreography. I'm like, this guy's going places. So, um, the other in the documentary. Like, I, I guess I didn't mention that <laughs> it's in the documentary. Yeah, I saw. yeah, yeah. Like I wasn't on set, obviously. Um, uh, so it it w- this was just purely from a, a filmmaking perspective, which I really like. That liked sounds that. more like lazy choreography to me. Than, sure, uh, sure. Then film any anyway, but the, <clears throat> there it is, Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like bickering about um, nonsense. <laughs> uh, but the other video, I saw another video essay, and I did share this one with the thread. Uh, so first off, there's this guy named Screen Crush. He on YouTube, and he his set looks like a video store, like he, from the counter, Ooh. like he's dressed like a video store clerk. And he's talking to you next to the cash register, like you're checking. Like, does he have like, like a would, polo? Or did, yeah, did you have yeah. something you had to wear? I had at a Hollywood? polo. Yeah, because I yeah, had a red yeah. one. Yeah, 
even and the, and well at Hollywood we had to wear a tuxedo shirt because it was like <laughs> and a cummerbund oh, and we had oh like black God, slacks I'm and so a cummerbund sorry, and a I tuxedo shirt and then uh, Blockbuster was just like khakis and a blue polo oh uh, yeah I had a red I I wonder if I had no it could have had my name on it but I had a red for hometown video and ribbon yeah uh, like a red polo anyway so um but so his set he looks like he's the guy just bullshitting about movies with you that's funny. like that's how it's presented you know yeah uh not like he plays a character it is definitely a video essay where he's just like going through his lecture but the set makes it feel like that's what it's supposed to be like he's the guy at the video store like just giving you his two cents about the movie yeah so he lays out this really amazing theory um and i like how so each of the classic characters got kind of like their Han got gets killed in the force awakens and Luke dies off in the last Jedi and Leia dies off in uh rise of the Skywalker, which is supposed to be like this idea that they're passing. It, it is also the like, like brick to the head. We are passing the torch off to the next generation of the, in this like saga. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, he lays out this really eloquent theory that when Leia had her vision with Luke while she was training mm -hmm. that they allude to in the last Skywalker, that she saw everything. She saw all of it and chose the reason she chose to leave her Jedi training and go back into politics was because she essentially sacrificed her family, knowing that was the only way for all of it to play out the way it was supposed to. Oh. She knew that Ben was going to go to the dark side. She knew that Han was going to get killed and it was like they were going to become estranged. And she let all of that happen for the greater good. And he basically lays out this, this case that she's just as good of a like strategy strategy. Uh, what's the word for that? Strategist. Um, strategist as palpatine either. like she could play oh. the long game as palpatine and she nice. outplayed him basically nice. and so and then when you pull that all the way back to a new hope where she, that's like she started there you know and just like played this thing all the way through and like how it was her the whole time like he basically makes it where luke is a red herring and it's all like everything is about leia and just like if that's what it, that's what I took from it, and I and I said it in the thread. I'll resend this to you because it's worth watching. So um, this won't like this will just kind of spin a theory. It won't be like this it's, sucks. It's because... Totally his theory, just like we speculate. Stuff. Yeah, but it's so not it's gonna not... be like here's why this is bad because <laughs> that's what no, I avoid. No, it's not negative. It's <laughs> okay, not negative I'll at watch all. That then, um, it's just his theory, and, but I have said like I'm gonna run with it. Like this is. This is the way it is until Disney tells me otherwise. Because oh, it's yeah, so yeah. good. It's just so... It makes you feel so good about Leia. And just like... Like, mind-blowing. If that's the case. Like, that she did outplay Palpatine in strategy. Cool. When yeah, we, I, so. I went to see it with the bride just like a week or two ago. Was the first time she and I saw it together. And my second time seeing it. And when we're driving home, she's like... You know who was never tempted by the dark side, never faltered, never was like a weak, whiny bitch? She's like, Leia, motherfucker. I was like, oh, shit, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Ever. Yeah. That was a cool, cool. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. I don't so, know if you watched that video, but. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to send it. It's like you have to share it with her for sure. 
because it will definitely make her feel good about saying that. Um, awesome. You want to take so we're halfway through. We're at five. What's your fifth one? Um, so my fifth one, I will call the podcast called the Jean Pod Van Dam Cast that oh, I discovered. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I discovered it over the summer. Um, I had uh, I've discovered some really fun podcasts. Like how did this get made? By just like searching. Jean-Claude Van Damme on podcasts wanting to hear people talk about his movies. Um, there's another one called The Odd Podcast that I discovered that I stumbled across and, and really enjoyed. Um, yeah, so I've, I've, I've stumbled across some fun podcasts based on just listening to their episodes about Jean-Claude Van Damme movies. Um, how did this get made? They kind of... So I, I talk a lot about how I don't like to hear negative things about stuff I like or whatever, but how did this get made is such a fun... It's been since like 2014 and they're in the 200s or something like that because they have sporadic or like monthly episodes like we do. And so they make jokes about how it's taken them years and years to get to the numbers that a lot of podcasts get to in like a yeah like bit short order because of if they're weekly. But so... But the, but it's so good natured, and they'll watch a, yeah. a movie, and it's it plays a lot of my sensibilities. Where like, yeah, maybe people would not say this is a good movie, but it's so fun, so bad it's good, all this kind of stuff. Um, so there's a lot of Antim movies on that. Um, but I it, I I stumbled across in July. Um, it's called the Jean Pod. Van Dam cast. These guys, John and Jeff from Wyandotte, Michigan, start at the beginning of his filmography, and it's one episode per movie. They even get to like, like, really at some point they're like reviewing movies that are sequels to movies that he started the franchise of, but is not in. They do episode by episode of Jean, uh, Claude or Jean Claude Van Johnson. I get so confused with all the Jean Paul, yeah. Jean Claude from the Amazon series. They they found like the his reality series from Europe. I just had so much fun listening to that. And I reached out to them, told them how much I liked it. We actually did a crossover episode where Palmer and yep. I interviewed them, which is our episode 75. Um I think they often listen to our show. I, I ended up listening to um they have other been shows commenting on every episode. Like just yeah. like either on YouTube or, and just such great guys. And just like, I need my dog after Jeff. <laughs> oh yeah. Awesome. That's spectacular. Uh, but anyway, I, that, that show. Has Hell been such a yeah. Gift to me. Hell yeah. So that's my number five. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> it's funny. I just, I just remembered, uh, what I was doing on new year's was, uh, the bride went to bed early and I was up late kind of putting together the, the scrapbook for her of our New York trips. And what I was listening to was like, I had worked through the whole Jean Van Damme cast like months earlier. I had moved on to, um, John and Jeff and then their friend Dan sometimes, uh, did two years of what they called the spooptacular, which are just 31 days of horror movies that they did oh man that are so many of the same things that were uh we've been talking about the last few years and and actually they name checked us in one of them for children of the corn i lost my mind i was like what just happened like i'm just driving along and they're like long walk short drink and palmer's talking about what the fuck i almost like crashed anyway that is awesome so i was i was just kind of missing those guys like and so i yeah um because they're way through Van Damme's filmography and stuff. And I know they've started a couple new podcasts that, that I think they want to have a more of a backlog before they launch. One is Rage in a Cage, Nicolas Cage movies. <laughs> uh, 
I better be on the Mandy episode. That's all I got to yes. say. Nice. Oh, we're putting it out into the universe. And uh, every day I'm rustling Kurt Russell movies. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. It's everything you want. But so New Year's Eve, like, I'm putting together the scrapbook, and I'm listening to them talk about, like, no retreat, no surrender three or something like it's just so far removed or anything. But I was I almost because sometimes I'll I'll reach out to them, but I, I still don't want to abuse that uh, <laughs> privilege or whatever. But I was like, John that's what I was doing I'm on not, New Year's. I'm not being presumptuous too about I better be on the Mandy episode. Oh. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the Mandy episode. And if you need a if you need a color commentary on that, I would be more than honored to be a part of that conversation so i want that to happen i want the, uh, both those podcasts to happen i know they're kind of sorting out some scheduling uh issues but anyway uh, that's that, good their um their podcast and the pod bros network has been such a gift to me so and, and yeah, yeah and thank you so much for your like the comments and the it, we know you're listening and we really appreciate that i'm 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 awful at like responding to that stuff emails and like that's why i could not do this by myself because I'm just I nothing would ever get done. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. yeah, we can balance things out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, What's yeah. Your so number six. So my number six it ties to this a little bit, and it, it's kind of like a misnomer. So my number six is the Goonies, and it's the oh, Goonies yeah. just in the sense that uh, it was a catalyst for a great experience this year, which was coming out to see you visit with you and the bride. And uh, got to record our podcast with John and Jeff and got to talk all things Goonies and see the Goonies. And yeah, it was just a great, um, I I haven't done a trip like that in a while. So it was just fun. So the Goonies oh, made yeah. it on the list just as like a placeholder for that experience. And that was and a lot of episode 76, I believe, was our yeah. Goonies episode, which was a three camera thing. We set up three cameras in my basement media corner. And so I cut them together like an old cable access show. Uh, and we talked all Goonies. And oh. I think there's like probably pictures from when we cosplayed and all that kind of stuff. Oh, that's awesome. What's your six? Um, let's see. I was Mine will go quick. Mine are quick. So, uh, this is, yeah, another relatively quick one. So I was just doing another, uh, movie. Um, I was looking at the like new movies I saw this year and one that stuck out, uh, is book smart. Uh, the short, um, synopsis or whatever is that on the eve of their high school graduation, two academic superstars and best friends realized they should have worked less and played more. Determined not to fall short of their peers, the girls try to cram four years of fun into one night. Directed by Olivia Wilde and featuring hilarious and touching performances by Caitlin Deaver and Beanie Feldstein. I just really loved that movie. I thought it was so fucking fun. Awesome. I saw it in a theater. Uh, I, have it on, um, I have it on DVD, Blu-ray. It's just really refreshing. It's kind of like shorthand. Um, it's a little bit like a female super bad, but that's grossly oversimplifying it. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's just really, really fun uh, movie. Awesome. Yeah, so I would recommend that if that sounds good to you. Um, awesome. so, and and we're talking numbers, but I definitely did not do something. It's not like I'm working up to a number one. These are just like neither the neither am I. I <laughs> yeah. Neither am I whatsoever. It just so happens actually that the, my next three counting the Goonies were all movies. So oh, okay. um, my number seven is Joker, which we have a whole episode on Joker. And uh, yes, sir. I don't need to rehash all of that. 
my theories are still kind of evolving about it. Uh, but I still stand by 90% of what we see didn't actually happen. It was just in his head. I think, I think there are a few key crucial things that happened that caused him to go into that psychosis. And we're seeing the rest of it played out in his head. Um, but you can hear all about those theories in the Joker episode, which was episode, do you know the number? Uh, 78. I, I just looked it up while you're talking. 78. 78. So we talk all. We have a great, uh, and again, comment by John and Jeff. Thank you so much for your compliment. Like they were, they specifically called me out in the comments of that episode and said, oh. Palmer's take on this movie is, uh, is brilliant or excellent or something. Yeah. Like that. I had like, not thought about it. That was, that was really cool. Great. So it, it's, nice to know that my craziness works for some people so. <laughs> you're uh well your your overactive mind perhaps yeah i guess i guess um, no it's crazy trust me <laughs> <laughs> well i like that uh, movie too uh quite a lot i just it, but it was weird we talk about it in that episode like my feelings about it but uh yeah no 11 Oscar noms, though. That's like, cool. Yeah. The, the Oscar nominations, which is crazy. Oh, shit. I actually didn't know that because I just saw the Golden Globes and he won. Uh, Joaquin yeah. Phoenix won and gave a kind of weird speech or whatever. But yeah. Well, what else? He's a weird guy. He got goddamn great hair, though, he has. Like, yeah. <laughs> he looked really yeah. cool. Um, I've never seen signs. This is a weird, like, segue or just like a weird thing to say but because so but when i when i see him though i think a lot like he looks like he would be he could be mel gibson's kid i'm like well he's played yeah. mel gibson's kid and i still know it's his brother oh brother he's his brother okay i yeah. gotta see that i've always heard good yeah. things about that movie it's really good um yeah all right, what's your seven? Uh, let's see. So I only have one more seventh movie. Seventh one. Yeah, seventh one. I'll just um, I'll burn my my last movie here. Uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Jay and Silent oh, Bob. <laughs> I missed that one this year. I'm sorry. You well, uh, well. So here I was gonna say that it's like one sentence. Jay and Silent Bob return to Hollywood to stop a reboot of the Bluntman and Chronic movie from getting made. It's still on tour. Uh, the reboot roadshow. So if you go to rebootroadshow.com, you can see if it's coming to Ohio and see it, watch the movie uh, with Kevin and Jay, Kevin Smith and Jay Muse. I am looking here to see if it is coming to your neck of the woods. It's got to be coming to VOD and all that kind of stuff. Soon, soon. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not seeing, I think they're getting up into like Canada and stuff like that. That's all right. The, the first uh, leg or whatever was 37 cities, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just a really fun uh, movie. Like, you know, the Jay and Silent Bob strike back was in a, a row. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, get back here. Yeah. Uh, but that movie, the Jay and Silent Bob, like it's a reboot of a movie that it was already like the biggest inside movie, perhaps <laughs> like produced or something like that. But it was a nice it was just a nice return to, to those characters. Um, for me, who's always been a fan of Kevin Smith in general, but I also really appreciate the, uh, Kevin Smith, Ben Affleck relationship. Like it reminds me of like, this is, these are going to be perhaps lofty comparisons, but like Scorsese and De Niro in the seventies or Scorsese and, um, Leonardo DiCaprio more recently, these kind of like just pairings of a director and a kind of an on-screen alter ego of source or someone who's often playing the the role of like the writer director anyway i just always liked yeah. their friendship it was always really fun and they were estranged for a bunch of years 
Affleck is in the movie. There's a great story about how that happened at the super last minute, literally last day of filming. He showed up and they mended uh, fences there. The movie's actually, it's like surprisingly touching at times and like funny, like you'd want it to be. Um, Good. Also in the works kind of uh, not, not related to that movie, but I think similar to like Kevin Smith having the surviving the heart attack a couple of years ago and just trying to live his life in a different way. Uh, both like kind of health wise and perhaps with this sort of relationship mending type stuff. Um, Clerks three is supposed to happen now, which was held up by uh. Jeff Anderson for many years. Not wanting for whatever. I don't know the details, of course. Um, That's Randall. Right? Randall. Yeah. 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 Um, and I believe like the Clerks three like story is very centered on Randall. Um I think from he was a hard sell for clerks too. And I think there's like money stuff with the Weinstein company, et cetera. But, um, as I understand it, the, and the, 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 the like a, the clerks casting took place at this like little theater in like Highlands, New Jersey or whatever, in that general area that he writes about in the movies. Um, and that theater was in danger of closing. So, so, uh, Kevin Smith helped, with a fundraising event where they read the script for clerks three that supposedly was never going to happen because no one ever said it, but it's because Jeff Anderson wouldn't do it. And, uh, um, I guess like a few things happened since then. And the movie has been rewritten kind of updated. Not, I, I don't think I'm guessing it has nothing to do with like Jeff Anderson wanted it to be a different thing and now he'll do it. I think it's just right. like Kevin Smith wrote it a bunch of years ago now revisiting the situation he's like this is how i see it now kind of thing anyway but i guess yeah. it's gonna happen so i, I just like I, I love uh that company of people um i like those characters it was really I fun to see mending fences yeah like, yeah it's very nice that, to hear yeah the i that group of friends the ben affleck thing was like it's tragic i mean you could tell like kevin smith really carried that i think yeah, with him I think he was, while. and basically he just was like, I was too afraid to reach out. I thought I'd get rejected. And it was like some yeah. journalist that asked Affleck about it. Because I think that was like this journalist thing. Like he's a fan of the Kevin Smith movies. When he would interview people in them, he would kind of use that as an icebreaker and somehow got into it. Where it's like he was interviewing Affleck about something. He's like, you know, they're filming down in New Orleans. Has anybody reached out to you? He's like, no, nobody's reached out to me. But I'm available. <laughs> oh, wow. So the journalist reached out to Kevin Smith. He's like, hey. <laughs> so it all happened. Anyway, it's a, oh, it's a what, very and nice like, movie. For that journalist to have the, like, just to be a fan enough to be like, hey, this he said this. Like, yeah, you want this to happen. Like, maybe this is the opportunity, you know? Like, oh. Yeah, that's, and it did. And it, it's a nice uh, beat that he has in the movie like, it's a it's a real family affair too like i don't want to give too much away if, unfortunately when i saw it in a fathom event screening with the bride it was great too because they showed jay and silent bob strike back the movie this is like rebooting and kind of calling attention to that movie is so fucking fun like that yeah it's so fun like to see that when it's, and it's got so many people in it too like it's got will ferrell and yep. chris rock ever ever that it's just eminently quotable for me so we saw that and then this movie followed it and i have to admit that the first few minutes of this new movie i was just like oh this doesn't seem right <laughs> like it starts in this empty courtroom and all this and there's the stars you want to see from the other films and stuff the familiar cast um but i was like 
I don't know, but like midway through, I'm like, oh, okay, okay, this is starting to. Yeah. And by the end, like I was crying at certain stuff because it's oh, like, oh, that's good. I don't want to give stuff away, but um, and yeah. it's that's actually Muse that was making me cry. <laughs> so oh uh, man, it's just yeah. yeah, it's worthwhile. And um, but the fucking bummer of it is that like Fathom fucked it up and they played like a 15 minute blooper reel before the movie, before like oh. in between the movies. That spoilers gave so yeah. much away about all the people that would yeah. show up and the context in which they would. So that was, yeah. No, hopefully, if you, yeah, you won't. Ex- you, you can't possibly like you. No one would be so stupid as to play the bloopers first in a home view. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh-huh. anyway, so that was a. I don't remember the number, but that was a highlight of mine uh, that that came out. How about you? What's awesome? Next? Uh, well, this is just for one. It was very entertaining. As far as entertaining things go, um, I know there was a little controversy going on about um, directors we've already mentioned in these films, but it is an accomplishment to see how the impact that the Marvel movies have made on filmmaking and and what the the qual the entertainment value that comic book movies, which up until x-men in 2000 or 2001 whenever that came out uh we really just had superman one and two as like good comic book movies in my opinion well what about uh, batman 89 Would oh yeah Batman that? 89. there's a handful like here or there but yeah there was a handful but they weren't as prevalent but just uh avengers endgame just like tying together that initial arc that they did with the mcu mm-hmm. and how they were able to tie all the way back to that amazing, like, I just remember how mind-blowing Iron Man was. It felt so different, and Robert Downey Jr. felt so perfect for that role. He embodied Tony Stark. Yeah, yeah. And was kind of like a revival for him as an actor. And just like, uh, it was just perfect. And then to see it all come back to him, again uh, and just yeah. like uh yeah just end game totally it just earned my respect just in the sense of what they were able to accomplish with that mcu and what they were able to set out yeah. and do so. i agree yeah the bride doesn't like downey for whatever but i do i think he's yeah so charming and yeah, I, I yeah, you don't want to give things away, but I I agree. I forgot about that until you like talked it through, but I would I would heartily endorse that as well. Yeah. So that's my 8. What's your 8? I might only have eight, nine. I might only have 9. I guess I don't know. I've just seen two more. Oh, okay. Uh, well, that's okay cuz my last two are kind of related. So And I I have honorable mentions that if uh, yeah, I can okay. fill space with, I guess. <laughs> Not that we need to. But um so I have two TV shows. So the the first one uh that I'm looking at here is a uh, True Detective season 3. Um, okay. So the third season of the anthology crime drama, and this one takes place in the Ozarks over three separate time periods as a partner, a pair of partner detectives investigate uh, a crime involving two missing children. So Mahershala Ali plays the lead role of Wayne Purple Hayes, uh, Wayne Hayes, they call him Purple Hayes, and Stephen Dorff. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in my brain. Same. Excuse me. <laughs> anyway, so, but that purple is, yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, Stephen Dorff plays the other character. Uh, Excuse me <laughs> while I kiss the sky. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. 
Yeah. <laughs> What's so crazy is for me, like that song will forever be linked to filming The Crow with Jacko <laughs> because we got the Jimi Hendrix greatest hits. I think we borrowed it from Pumps, who's also yeah. in that project. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> so this is like 1995 summer. And so we had been working on the movie for like a year, but like we were trying to finish it up. We were just out of school for the summer. And so we did this like marathon two or three days where we just filmed as much as we could, as much as we could, all the fill-ins that we had to complete. And so I'm taking a shower to like get the makeup off me or something like that. And Jacko has been doing a bunch of behind the scenes. And so he sets the camera like in the corner of my room and he uh, he's got a surge soda, a a handful of brownies. And he just pops on the Jimi Hendrix and it's this song. And he just like he's just pounding the surge like this, like extra caffeine Mountain Dew type thing stuffing the brownies into his face just going yeah yeah filming fun yeah just gotta just gotta psych myself up i get a little tired he's doing it all for the camera (laughs) and it's this like epic 10 12 minute stretch that i kind of included in a video diary once that i can't show anybody but but it starts with the purple haze and by the end of it he's doing the it's the start it's gotten to the star spangled banner in the cd and he's like god he's like saluting something yeah and he's just starting to melt (laughs) like and have a sugar crash it's amazing (laughs) like you just see it all happen he just goes from being like on fire to like the star spangled banner he's literally just like ah (laughs) At the end of it all, like I come out of my bathroom, <laughs> be like, "All right, next thing," and he's just like <sighs> spent. <laughs> it's so amazing. <laughs> oh, all right. Anyway, Purple Haze. Yeah, so Purple Haze the uh, is the nickname of the one partner. The other partner is played by Stephen Dorff, who plays Roland West, and. Um, uh, I don't know. That show just really caught me by surprise. Uh, I have a note here that it marks the directorial debut of the series creator, uh, Nick Pizzolato. I'm sure I'm not saying that right. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, I watched the first season with Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson, which I liked. I did not watch the second season I heard because I never heard anything good about it, even though I have a big man crush on uh, Taylor Kitsch, who was in it. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Like, I... It's not super icky, you know. It's a crime drama thing, but it doesn't. It's yeah. not like uh, it's, it doesn't leave you just feeling terrible. Um, there is a mystery and all that, but it's really just about these two guys. And it's interesting that you see them at different parts and different time periods in their lives. And the age makeup's done pretty well. Um, I always like uh, Stephen Dorff. Like um, I grew up watching him. He, he always seemed like Christian Slater's little brother to me, kind of thing. So I would see him. In, <laughs> in movies and he's always had like greasy hair and the smart yeah. ass and um i i write uh well so i heard him interviewed on wtf mark Marin's podcast and he was talking about this series and i i had this so even though i liked him like i have a bunch of his movies like i own them for one reason or another not necessarily him but i have a fondness for him it turns out and uh but i just thought of him as this kind of like dickish hollywood like tabloid kind of guy yeah. i don't know i had this idea of him and uh in the interview he was he just wasn't like that at all and he was um it's not like he was charming but he was he's like a like this like family oriented guy <laughs> turns out wow. and he talked mostly about his brother who had passed away a couple years prior who was this nashville songwriter his dad is in the songwriting hall of fame i happen to know this because one of the movies that i 
and I knew him from was called SFW. It stands for so fucking what? And it was about this guy, Cliff Spab, who got uh, trapped in a convenience store by these terrorists who filmed them the whole time. And then the, the tapes of him being filmed made him like this kind of celebrity for his fuck you attitude. Basically it's SFW stood for so fucking what? And, um, when he gets out of like survives this, this experience, like how he tries to navigate the world, um, also feeling so much trauma from like his best friend was killed in front of him in the convenience store and all this. But anyway, it's a cool little movie came out like 1995 killer soundtrack. Um, anyway, but like, so I knew him from these movies and had this idea of what he was like, but it turns out, Oh, so I mentioned the songwriting thing in that movie. He sings the, like him and Reese Witherspoon as they're just like trying to get through a moment being filmed by these terrorists and stuff there. Uh, it's a lot of sarcasm. So he's like, that there would be this back and forth. Her name was Wendy. His name was Spab. So she'd go, Wendy, Spab, Wendy, Spab, that back and forth. And he's just like, let's sing a duet, shall we? And he starts to sing the theme song for Growing Pains. As long as we got each other. And so I found out um, through reading about this film that like they were able to sing that song because his dad wrote that song. Oh. <laughs> and it turns out his dad has written like dozens of songs for mostly for like country artists and but a lot of other TV shows and stuff like that. And so um I guess I'll just mention my one of my other uh honorable mentions I came to from this WTF podcast as well. He's like talking about his brother and he's talking about this role in True Detective season three uh, he's like, I, I stumbled, like people were saying, don't try to do an accent for this guy. Um, cause it takes place in the South, but he's like, I kind of had this accent from this movie I did called Wheeler that came out a few years prior that nobody really saw in which he, um, he, so he's got the songwriting family. Uh, I was talking about it. His dad and his brother wrote a bunch of hits for like Blake Shelton and stuff like that. And kind of contemporary, uh, country singer songwriters or sorry, country performers. Cause like the dwarf guy wrote the song, <laughs> but, uh, anyway, so he's like, I had a bunch of songs that, um, some movie I was making got pushed and I, I was just making a bunch of music, but it's like, I, my brother's working really hard to, to establish himself as a singer songwriter in Nashville. Uh, not a singer songwriter, just a songwriter. I keep messing that up. And my dad's in the songwriting hall of fame, but like, what am I going to put out an album as Steven Dorff's like, that's not something that interests me, but I had these songs. So me and my buddy decided to make a movie that's like Borat, but not a comedy. So he got this guy, some other like makeup guy to disguise him just enough to, uh, so you couldn't say like, oh, that's the guy from Blade or whatever. Right. Or the tabloids <laughs> or the smoke, like the e-cigarettes <laughs> commercials. And um, and so we went down there and kind of shot this like docudrama about a guy who's like 40, who's had some, who had a lot of promise in high school, but like had some just misfortunes in, in life and was never really able to follow his uh his dreams of being um, a country songwriter. And um, so he goes there and he like interacts and it's this quasi docudrama. It's like rated PG. <laughs> so I heard about this all in this WTF interview with, with Stephen Dorff, who just kind of caught me off guard with, I don't know how he talked about these projects and how he talked about just the things that he valued. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta look into these things. So I went and I watched the movie Wheeler, which came out in 2017, but I watched it on prime and now is, I don't know how you can see it, but 
I, I loved it. And I became like obsessed with the soundtrack, which is all like country songs. He said he liked the songs that he wrote weren't like they were more straight pop songs. But once they had this character to kind of hang a movie around, they just like put steel guitar and twang on it and all this. And then he ended up like um, using the same accent for the, uh, the character in True Detective. And uh, so all this is kind of roundabout, like talking about the same actor in these two different projects. But True Detective season three is what I was initially mentioning. And I I just really liked it. I really liked both of those characters. I liked their relationship and their the kind of conflict they had with each other. When that show was over, like I missed those characters. Like I wanted to see them as old men be like an odd couple that like were in a sitcom solving crimes or something. I just missed like hearing the Roland West character be like, Hey man. <laughs> and like purple haze. Be like, hey. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I really liked that, that show. It was both. It was like what I wanted it to be, but kind of more that show. And I might've already asked this on, on an episode. I don't know. That show is like each season is a different set of cops, right? Like yes. over their career. Yeah. Right, like, or, so the or first one was Matthew life, McConaughey, yeah. Woody Harrelson, yeah, and then the middle seat. I heard the second season is kind of the like the least favorite, right? Yeah, I like, don't know if that one's cops. I I feel like Taylor Kitsch might be the bad guy in jail, and I feel like maybe Colin Farrell is is a cop. I don't know as much about that one, but these two yeah. is another pair of like partners. Um, yeah, but I, yeah, I just really oh. dug it. It's an HBO show, so if that sounds That's good awesome. to you somehow, or Wheeler, if you can watch Wheeler, if that sounds good to you, uh, I really like that movie and the soundtrack. But yeah, that'll be my whatever number that was, and an honorable mention of Wheeler. Awesome. Um, my where's uh, I clicked off my list. Hang on. There we go. Uh, so the next one on my list is, uh, I said Avengers, right? Um, <clears throat> you have one more television show and that's it? Yep, that's it. I can. I don't have any other. All right, then I'm just going to lump the, my next two together a little bit. Uh, so really, my like my next one is, is Dayton, essentially. Uh, oh, nice. We kind of had a rough year yeah. as far as Dayton goes. And uh, it's just amazing to see... This community, we hit um, for anybody that doesn't know, we had like f I think like five tornadoes touch down on Memorial Day weekend. Uh, one of them was an F4. Um, a couple sections of the city got pretty much decimated. One of which is was already like a pretty much bottom of the barrel, low income area uh, that was really held together by some small businesses that had been there forever and all uh, like a big string of those businesses got wiped out that will probably not reopen which means that area will just probably look like you can drive through that area right now and it looks like the tornado just happened oh. um There was, uh, and Ash is just telling me there was a tornado that touched down in Trotwood this week. Fucking tornadoes in January. Is that That's fucking nuts? Like, is that outrageous? I can't even. On top of the fact that it's that. just like the ground has not frozen here. Yet. Really? Like, it, it, the, it is still a soggy ground. It's not frozen. It's, it's the middle of January. 
we haven't gotten we've we got ice once no substantial snow uh it's been 50 or higher more than it's been lower than 50 this winter so far jesus jesus so that's crazy i didn't know that oh yeah and then we uh, i was i was getting there so we had all the tornadoes in memorial day and uh i started to get on climate change uh we had all the mass shootings or or, we had all the tornadoes (laughs) in memorial day and then we had the mass shooting uh, yeah later in the year uh which i'm sure i mean that made national news so it just uh that was why, like, I didn't get into it, and I don't need to here. But that's why there was the active shooter scare that I was involved in, in yeah, in uh, Times Square, because that had just happened. Something happened, like so when they heard a motorcycle backfire, they're like, "Oh fuck, it's happening here now." It was just like, yeah. But that started in Dayton at that time. I mean, the yeah. latest rash of, you know, so everyone. Uh, and um, and the Oregon district is like right by my, not right by, but it, I mean, not I see, that yeah, far from my I house. Saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, it, it just was really all of the, all of that tragedy. It was amazing to be a part of a community, to watch it come together around that, like around that tragedy. So, uh, Dayton definitely made my list. Um, so then the, I guess (laughs) if we're only going to do nine, then my honorable mention would be a part of Dayton that I am grateful for is the Dixie twin drive-in. The fact that. Even though I don't take advantage of it all the time, Ash and I only went once this past summer, but there is still a drive-in that you can still go to during the summertime and you can sit in your car and watch, you know, a double feature for 15 bucks. And uh, when we, well, when we went, they said, if there's enough people, we'll even do a third movie. Oh, shit. And you could stay till like four in the morning watching movies in this, like in the drive-in. So what did you see? We went, uh, we saw, it was, a double feature of Toy Story and Toy Story Four and Spider Man Far From Home were the the newest Spider Man movie. Oh, I still haven't with seen Tom that Holland. One. And then uh the third feature, which they were gonna start, we stayed through Spider Man. Uh they were gonna start it. There was enough cars, was the newest the like reboot of the Men in Black series. Oh um, yeah, yeah. With like Chris Hemsworth or whatever, right? Yeah. Which it kind of tanked and was kind of forgotten. But I was, I was like, shit. If they're gonna show it, I'll stay. But then by the time that was starting, Ash was like already passing out, and I'm like, I don't want to drive by myself. Like keep myself awake for the because it, it's not like it's a long drive. It's about you know a 20 minute drive from our house, but it's all highway. I didn't want to do that at four in the morning, like trying to keep myself shit, awake. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's so I was awesome. like, I can stand to not like see this like bad movie. So I went home. So <laughs> those are my last like two ish is That's Dayton great. and then the Dixie Twin Drive-In. What's your last one? Uh, so my last one, I guess it'd be one more honorable mention just because it didn't actually come out uh, in 2019. But I it, it came out in November of 2018, um, which is the autobiography of Jeff Tweedy, the uh, singer Wilco, called Let's Go So We Can Get Back. Um, oh, nice. Again, uh, so I keep up on uh, the podcast WTF, but I don't always listen to the interviews. Um, so Marin, Mark Marin will do kind of an intro where he just talks about what's going on with him or maybe his reaction to something that happened in the world um, and then kind of sets up the interview. I, I'm not sure how long they are. I'll say, say like 10 to 15 minutes or something like that. So 
um, if I fall behind, it's like I don't always listen to the people that are interviewed um, if I'm trying to keep up with other podcasts or stuff. But if it's someone that I have an interest in um, peripherally or whatever, I'll usually listen to it right away. And so um, the Stephen Dorff interview is one of those. The, and so Jeff Tweedy was on that. Actually, fucking Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio were on recently. I'm like, whoa, oh, yes, oh, please. Geez. That was kind of weird because usually a WTF interview is a long form interview that kind of track someone's like life and career and so having brad pitt and dicaprio in the context that he did and that after this event like he couldn't really do that with them but it was still really fun to hear those two guys talk anyway but uh it's a fun podcast uh, that's it's into like 1100 episodes or something like that so it's not news there but um yeah i always like jeff tweedy as a personality he's very personable um very uh like laid back, not assuming, yeah, happens to be like a, a rock and roll, like luminary or whatever, but is not, doesn't behave that way. So, um, but I haven't really kept up. Wilco makes a lot of records and I think I sort of checked out after around like 2007 or so. And so I just wasn't necessarily, I, I don't know. So I, I heard him talking at the end of it. He sang a song. I'm like, I really like that song. So I look, it's from a solo album. And he mentioned this autobiography, and I like that kind of thing. So I'm like, okay. I asked for it for Christmas or my birthday or something like that. But I, So I read it, and I actually read it like on the page. I, um, about midway through, because I think I started on a trip, I got I tried to do the audiobook, which, by the way, if you want to do these kind of things, you can go to audibletrial.com slash LWSD. Yeah, you get one on us. You can do you can do Let's Go so we can get back. Um, I had kind of locked in, though, to my own... I know what he sounds like. Um, there's a great Wilco documentary called uh, I'm Trying to Break Your Heart that I can't recommend enough. Um, but so I was just sort of reading it in his voice. I was really enjoying it. And so then when I actually, this is a weird thing to do after an ad, but <laughs> I didn't like the audiobook. I tried a sample of it and I was like, no, I like the experience I'm having more with imagining the, his, sure. his, his performance of it wasn't quite as good. Like if you want a good one of those, Bruce Springsteen's autobiography, Born to Run, is great. I know Twinkie's engaging with that right now. I'm By not going sure to uh, audibletrial.com yeah. slash LWSD. Yeah, I mean, that's what you want. I mean, that's what I want Like from that. It's like Springsteen talking in his measured way about his life and times. That's how I want to hear it. But, like, Jeff Tweedy, I just really enjoyed reading it on the page. And, like, he'll do this thing where he'll have, like, I feel like I should involve my wife's voice or my son's voice here if I'm talking about them or I ask them how they wanted to be represented in the book, it'll be like a Q and a, I'm like, if this is how their conversation went in person, Oh my God, like it couldn't be more perfect. Or if this is just something they constructed as a Q and a in writing, but the way that he incorporates those things and the way that he talks about growing up and making music, I literally laughed. Like, I think I was reading on a plane. I laughed out loud. I teared up. This kind of stuff doesn't usually happen to me um, when I read books. So it was a, I mean, it would be high on my list of whatever if, if we were just like nine or 2019, but it happened to come out in 2018. So it is my honorable mention and the last of my list. If you, I can't remember if you have one more or whatever, or just be. I don't have anything else. Yeah. Uh, so we didn't get to you, Lilia. It'll, uh, it'll be, I think it would be too rushed to try to do it now. Of <laughs> yeah. course. Yeah. I don't know uh, how you, uh, I'm, I don't, I don't my concern is that. though that in a month uh, having the same 
insight and feelings about the guy. So do you want to watch the just, trailer together? There's a, so I went, so Palmer told me about this, this guy that he introduced. He's like, hey, you can watch this documentary that just got released on YouTube, even though it was made in 2012 or this 20 minute video about him as a, and more of an overview. I watched the documentary last night. <laughs> did you watch the 20 minute thing? No, I did not. Oh, but I there, would still watch the 20 minute. Thing okay. I'd be willing to do that now. Now that it I gives a little more insight into him and just like, why he is an internet personality uh basically uh i found him to be much more endearing in that 20 minute thing he's in a he is super endearing in the documentary but i um i could see where people because that document so initially that documentary hadn't been released like people have been waiting i don't know that it has even still other than i guess this on YouTube, YouTube. Yeah. like they that company said they were going to finally drop it on YouTube in January of this year. Okay, but people had been waiting eight years for it, like it had been teased <laughs> yeah. for that long, yeah. and just like, and 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 because of that, that twenty minute thing ended up on my recommended on YouTube, and it's oh. this if you, if you go on YouTube and you see the screen cap, it's this it's just this mesmerizing picture of this young man looking into the screen. Uh, he's kind of just like crouched on the floor and he's got long greasy hair and it just, there's not any reason that you would want to watch it or ones why you'd be like, Oh, don't watch that. Like it just looks like nothing. But then this kid is just fascinating. Yeah. He's really compelling. Like, yeah, I, I mean, just, He's a savant, um, math savant. And the 20-minute documentary is great because it does – it shows a broader arc of his life. So he has hours of stuff. Like, that's the thing, like, like too. There are hours of video that he personally has loaded onto YouTube. Like, there's a rabbit oh, hole for this kid. shit. <laughs> if you wanted to go into, okay. like – you have to remember, like he became an internet celebrity in like two, like the early two thousands. So like, oh. he's been like a, a legend essentially that just is coming to light. For me, there are people that have known about him though for a long time, long time. And on top of him being this prolific creator, like he's he's written books. He's written two books. He had he started with an Angel Fire website, which if you don't, that was like one of the earliest <laughs> yeah, blogging websites yeah. you could get on. Oh yeah, and that's where people found him because he was just like he had just so he gamified his life. That's that's where people uh. first were introduced to him, where he essentially lived like an RPG character, which to the point that in the documentary, like if somebody like when he's like fighting with his sister, like fighting in quotation yeah. marks. He counter. like blocks her hand and he's like counter, yeah. which is what would happen in an RPG game. Like, and he does that. Like he, so he gamified his life to the point that like he has leveled himself up. He's quantified everything in his life that he's leveled himself up as a person to where if in that 20 minute documentary, you see him where he's like 35 and like, Oh, I, I think he, he might have been oh, in his 30s in this documentary, I, like they mentioned. I was shocked at how old he was when yeah. they say. And so, 
you see him and he's like living in 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 that 20 minute documentary he's living in new, one of the new england states he has a job oh shit. he's like he like does this shot where he's like because you know how in the thing in the in the documentary he's talking about how he wants to travel yeah he has posted video he went to hawaii and he's like swimming in the ocean and like so blue water is one of his fears like he oh, is terrified that. of so that's why that 20 money documentary is really important yeah i got i know um, what i'm doing after this <laughs> and so uh because when he was a kid blue water is how you died in video games like if you oh, got in blue water like you shit. died so he was terrified of blue water so the 20 minute one ends with him swimming in the ocean and he's like and here i am swimming in blue water something i never thought and his cadence is why i love him like yeah you just want to hear him talk like he yeah, is he's so singular yeah and he's just he's just like he's like and here i am swimming in blue water how blue well let me just dunk the camera underneath the water and show you and he does it and he just like and there's this the another great line where he's like demoing one of his games and he's like and how do you jump like there's only there's another way that you can get up here upsy daisy and he just like jumps in the video game but he's like taught himself how to code he keeps like anytime he references time he turns it to seconds yeah that's like so crazy like uh, hard to imagine for me to that yeah i my brain kind of shuts off with numbers a lot of times yeah so it's the opposite of the way that he seems to think um there is a two-minute trailer for the platform master would you? I I know we don't want to take too long, but we get a chance to hear his voice. I sure. Mean, oh yeah. No, let's do over. it. So I yeah. haven't watched this trailer yet. Um, it's for you the, the documentary. Link? Yeah. So Can I'm you getting, drop the link. I'm or the link. oh no, wait, is it in the thing? I got it in the thing. Well, it's on. sort of in the thing. Yeah. So I I I found a website, theplatformmaster.com, that talks about the making a documentary and stuff, um, which is pretty interesting. Well, I guess we'll, we'll talk about it after the trailer because they'll probably mention some of it. But um, so I'm all wait, pause. I'm all queued up at zero colon zero zero. All right. Let's do on, it. on a pumps three. On three. Oh, during the summer of 2011, the state of North Dakota suffered some of the most devastating flooding in its history. Yeah. This is a text screen. And in that 20 minute documentary, they talk about how coincidentally that's. They were already there shooting this documentary. Yeah. The flooding. Which Hi, you don't I'm learn. Nick Smith. Oh. AKA Alulalia. Welcome to Minot, North Dakota. Gamer, author, game designer, math savant, artist, filmmaker, son, son. mother, neighbor, student. Programmer, sorry, I was gonna like this internet celebrity, dreamer, he's in the mud, fireworks lover, the best, pizza enthusiast, afraid of, all, afraid of all the things, he's a, a list of all the things he's afraid of, flood footage. Sorry, I hope we, I thought we'd hear him talk. Well, so um, what's great is all the soundtrack of this are the video game themes. That's what this community is all about. There he is. Because they stick together. No, it's not him. Oh, not him. They work together. It's one, just one of the help minor. each other. This guy. This guy I made me cry. This guy is yeah. crying. That we will make it through this crisis. He made me cry, just too. Just like any other American community. Oh. 
That's how I feel about Minot, North Dakota, and the United States. Thank you. And so I initially sent Dave when I sent him this documentary. See the world, you know. Oh, here we go. As far as I know, I'm just in a small, isolated cage in a sense. It's like I can't get out of the cage. Oh. No way to do it either. And this is the brilliance of this documentary. This even this juxtaposition, because he was just that other guy was just talking about community. Yeah. And yeah. how? And then he's talking about how he's in an isolated cage, and they. So when I first sent this documentary to Dave, I was like, watch the twenty-minute one first for two reasons. One, the production value is way better than the feature-length documentary, and two. It'll get like he is an acquired taste, just like any of the like unique characters that we really love, like Mark Beauchard or um, uh, the guy from the room, Tommy Wiseau. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. all, all of those people are like acquired tastes that aren't for everybody. Right. We, right. we, we love them. Of oh, course. I just realized what, what the, I won't get into it, but I, the one of my actual list I left out is another acquired taste. It's the latest Danny McBride, Jody Hill. Uh, oh thing. yeah, uh, righteous gemstones. I love that TV series, but that's like that guy's a really acquired taste. Like even though he's Absolutely. acting and stuff, like he the character he portrays is could be one of these guys. But anyway, this dude, Nick's uh, is it Smith? Is Nick a, is Smith? A, yeah, is a real life. Like this is just how he is, and it's uncompromised and unlike anybody else. <laughs> but the, I really feel like this documentary is subversively intelligent. Like, be just in the sense that. They really make it a point to juxtapose Nick Smith in his isolation, stuck in his mind, essentially, with this sense of community and this world all coming together around him. And at one point, they even ask him, they're like, are you even affected? Like, how are the floods affecting you? Not really. Other than transportation to get to the store, they're not really affecting me at all. Right. Yeah. And then it cuts right to a woman sitting in her living room with her two kids sitting on her lap talking about how they essentially lost everything, you know, yeah. and just like, and they keep jumping between him and this community coming together around this flood and how there is all of this community building and he still can't find a piece of that. You know, they keep like walking him around in that and just, there's no, Oh yeah, it, it is subversively intelligent and i take everything back about how great it is uh it's it's very interesting like uh it, and i think the mark Borchardt american movie kind of comparison is really good and not just because it's like a mullet wearing <laughs> like sort of yeah. midwestern guy um but i think in the way that that movie um it, again, it's a singular person with this like, like their own take on on life and and, and it's very amusing to watch it's always nice yeah. to watch people are like supremely self-possessed right they're unaffected by like so nick uh, yeah. smith saying like he doesn't he ha he avoids mirrors at all costs like he'll duck he has no idea supposedly what he even looks like <laughs> yep like, yeah um, he's so unaffected by that kind of thing but anyway so american movie like it's a form content thing so like mark Borchard's thing is film. He never made like videos. Mark Borchard always made films and like you see him trying to make this like film and you see him fighting with the physical 
element of film where he's like he's missing this one frame he's like what the fuck is supposed to occur here you know i never went to his a movie and saw like sorry but there wasn't this thing and the, there's a black screen instead like what the fuck is supposed yeah. to happen here he needs those like three frames that he lost anyway yeah. so there's so that movie's on 16 millimeter film it's appropriately so and it kind of it really nicely captures the subject in an appropriate um sure. relevant medium so this platform master from 2012 is shot on like handheld video there's something really fitting about this as well like i, I mean from the fact that they use like the the music from the video games that he's obsessed with and he'll even say like i've listened to this the song in this video game like this many thousands of times he if you so you find out as you start to research more about him he only has five songs that he listens to hmm he changes the tempo of the songs so that he can get 20 songs out of each song. Whoa. And that's all that he listens to. So like that so those themes that like the soundtrack for this movie are his changed video game themes. Like he'll oh, wow. slow them down drastically so they just like play out forever, you know? Or he'll speed them up. And but his his whole take on that is I get twenty songs then out of one song. Wow. Yeah, it's really like if you're kind of intrigued by it, I I definitely encourage. And there's probably people that obviously, like you said, like he's a very well known entity too. But what's interesting in watching the documentary is that he seems very vaguely aware of any kind of notoriety that he has. Like he's talking about one of the books that he wrote and how many copies he sold and it's like i think 600 ultimately but he starts like oh i sold 30 the first day and then after yeah. that it was just like a you know a, a downward you know trajectory and then he starts to get into statistics but he's like 15 the next day or something you think it's like oh my. but like and the guy says the interviewer that you can kind of hear he's and it's not interviews like lit in a studio it's very oh, yeah. rough and tumble the whole thing like it's I, I feel like they really made an effort to not interrupt his daily. And I don't think, I think that would have shut him off that they, I, I, you can feel sometimes where they're just trying to pull teeth to try to get, cause he's so wrapped up in his world. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, and they, they really let you in on it, I guess. And they don't try yeah. to editorialize it too much. It's one of those things where holding on him a few extra seconds before and after tells you a lot more in some respects than even what he says in the in the meantime. Yep. Uh, and, yep. and you kind of, I don't know. It uh, it was very I, worthwhile. I we, There's very few times where I'll just drop everything and watch something someone recommends. But there was something about, like, the look on his face and the cell that you gave it. <laughs> I just kept sending Dave screenshots of his face. Because, <laughs> like, yeah. like, I'd be watching this and I'm like, oh, my God. And, like, I, then I would get on... Because it's on YouTube, so then I would watch. I would go to that scene in YouTube on my phone and just take a screenshot of my phone, and then be like, look, like, and I wouldn't give any context. Just like, <laughs> here, look at this face, and look at like <laughs> yeah. you know, and and they're all, they're all these just like tragic. Not tragic, but yeah, just like, I didn't really feel bad for him exactly because no. he didn't seem sad or like resigned to some sort of he, you know, he had his like struggles because there are certain things like he can't really do stairs 
because of some, and he's like, I've had trouble with stairs since the seventh grade, or there's this yep. other thing. He's like, I've yep. had trouble with this since then, or I only eat pizza now, but it's like, it's, uh, I don't know. He's, uh, he's just, you know, eminently compelling, um, to just kind of get a glimpse of like how he, how he views life and how he moves through it. And yep. I am. I just want to dive in head first, like into his YouTube channel and just like, just consume because it is when you watch the little 20 minute one and you just get a glimpse of where he's at even recently, I don't know like how recent that is, but you just see this even now watching the platform master to see like, Holy shit, where he was in 2012 when he like, had this like immense notoriety enough that this group of kids from New York city drove to North Dakota to shoot a documentary about yeah. this kid. Right. Like, so where he's come from there is just awe inspiring. And yeah. to know that it's all self-imposed, like he, there's something there. Like well, I his don't parents care. like call him a handicap. The, the 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 loving it's a very loving family. It's really sweet, yeah. actually. Um, yeah. the way that he is towards them and that they are towards him. Um even his dad, who at first I'm just like, oh, his dad is like kind of just like rough and doesn't understand this. Yeah. But then there's that scene when they're all sitting around the table outside and he's like kissing his dad's arm yep. and he's like kind of cuddling with him and his dad's smiling and just yeah. like man do they love each other and they're just like uh, his mom is just like there's one point where she's like uh the rule was if he acted up just call me yeah that's cool yeah but then something happened like some there was an illusion that and she's like but they but if not like they would there would be trouble like yeah i will fuck them up kind of yeah because there was something like, like i guess he hit a teacher yeah um, yeah but she's yeah. she uses this little aside she's like that teacher shouldn't have touched him <laughs> yeah yeah and so i i mean that like but the just oh it's beautiful it's just it, it beautiful. really is yeah and that yeah. the i'm gonna watch the 20 minute thing um excited to see like where he was after that but it's it's very interesting to see this like slice uh, it's very slice of life. Like there doesn't, it's kind of these little vignettes that move in and out of um, this period of time. And uh, it's juxtaposed with this devastating flood that happens to that uh, community that he's not necessarily very affected by. And, and they kind of contrast that as, as we've uh, mentioned and then show people from the community talking about how it's affected them. And, uh, you know, you get this juxtaposition of this very isolated person that he is with this community that's coming together and maybe his aspirations of being less isolated um but yeah it breathes a lot it's like it's an hour and 40 minutes i want mm -hmm. my thought was like i'll just try to watch like a good 20 minutes before bed last night but i just kept playing it even though i was tired and then i'm like okay i'll just finish the last half hour i'll get up a little bit early to like have some extra coffee and finish this because i was but it doesn't like it has a very relaxed pace it's not yeah. like you're on the edge of your seat because of what's going to happen next yep. um so there were so many times i'm like i hit the pause button i was about to get up and i was just like oh. <laughs> played a little more so yep. uh yeah if this sounds intriguing to you I, I really encourage you to check out uh the platform master um is the documentary and then if you search u-l-i-l-l-i L L I A, Eulalilia, I guess. He that's... picked that name because it had ill in it twice and he had mental illness. 
oh shit that's that's why he picked that name that's his and i really didn't get like the mental illness or something truly off for a while like the the, the documentary just kind of shows he is him. clearly on the spectrum yes like, there i is, would definitely say like, that but i mean he he said it, like he knows what's going on and i i, I don't know um he's high functioning that's yes, the problem like yeah. and so like there, cause there's high. a point too when his mom is like his he has no interest there's the like there is an organization that takes all of these special need adults and they go out on excursions and it is there is no because he is so far above that's the thing is like he did, he is so high above everybody else that he like it's it's kind of inspiring it to really there's early on in the documentary he's got a pair a giant pair of shears and he's like pinching at his chin like this. Like Oh, that might be in the he, 20 minute. I don't remember this. I no, like no, no. It's in the it's in the one hour forty, oh, but he clips it. off this little piece of beard hair and they're like, Is that how you shave your he's like, Yeah, kinda sometimes. And they're like, oh, Well, I guess you don't look in the mirror. Yeah. And he's like, No. Uh, but it's and that's where they talk about how he doesn't even know when was the last time you looked in the mirror. But it's like he doesn't care so much. It's it's not like he looks this way because he's let himself go. It's because he doesn't care, you know. Yeah. Like he doesn't care what other people it's think. He doesn't care what like yeah, you know. And that it is super inspiring. Uh, There's something and, familiar and, to me about it as well. Like he reminded me physically, and even some of his mannerisms, and some of the special needs kids that I grew up around with in Ripon, and even just the landscape of north dakota as we see it reminded me of that rural kind of midwest thing there's yep. i don't know um so i don't know if that's part of the appeal for me or, or what but uh i'm gonna watch that uh updated 20 minute thing when we uh hang up that's here. a it's a really good essay on a video essay that um paints a really good picture about where he started it, the documentary piece is in there and then where he's at now um, or at the time that that 20 minute thing came out Sweet. Uh, when you hear the like the, the angel fire blog that got him famous um, like it starts out like I have 60 bullies and zero friends oh shit like that's you know and oh, just no. <laughs> and he's like but then he goes on to say about how like their insult like I have I have figured out a process to grow from their insults their insults actually empower me and just like oh, like wow. i and how he's able to again because of that gamification of his life like he uses them as like skill points to level up he sees color like they talk about it in the documentary he of course he sees color but he can translate that color to hexadecimal in real life like in his eyes like he can give you the hexadecimal code for the color. Whoa, that's like the uh, FFCC three three yes. or some number. Yeah, I know that's the yes. like branding. And color then he, and not only that, but he can he wrote up how he sees it that way and explains his process for coming up with that hexadecimal code, Whoa. and essentially explains it and lays it all out because reader. The way they say it in the document in that little 20 minute thing is like reader misunderstanding is not acceptable to him. He has a he has a level of perfection that like so the platform master 
which the documentary is named after his video game that he's developing called Platform Masters. Yeah. Which Platform Masters is the physical developed game that is his mind game that mm -hmm. he plays right <laughs> in his brain yeah. that what was mind blowing in the documentary i see shit we're going to talk about this for fucking ever <laughs> i didn't learn this until i watched the documentary he doesn't con he at the time he didn't control when he went into the mind game oh it would just happen and he would play it because they they're like what's the longest that you've played your mind game and he's like i've been six hours yeah i remember that yeah so but in the in that 20 minute thing it's not just like he's in there like visualizing a character jumping around he programmed the whole game in his brain like the menus the statistics the like all of the stuff the physics all of that like he and he laid it all out before he started developing platform masters the oh, actual shit. game whoa i, I it's the human brain is absolutely fascinating, and Nick Smith is a great example of that. Yeah, he's operating a whole other level, obviously. Yeah, clearly, yeah, I, I, I get, and all we can do is observe. Yeah, and it's you know it's so fast. I mean, like I'm not, I don't have an inherent interest in anything he's talking about. I have a aversion to numbers. I don't play video games. I love looking at myself in the mirror. <laughs> I don't know, but you know what I mean. It's yeah. like, I don't necessarily yeah. relate to much of any of it on the surface but there's there's a really like humanity to him as well in a yep. weird way it's yep. very compelling yeah we should get, dig into it more next time i i know Absolutely. it's like getting toward midnight there <laughs> yeah this has been fun oh, of course i missed uh, midnight, yeah missed our late night chats oh buddy so good uh so thank you long walkers for listening to episode 81 this has been our uh favorites from 2019 let's talk goals next episode too so yeah, let's do yeah. i actually have those uh, ready uh, uh which i didn't last year but because of all last year's prep it was easy to just like tweak them this year yeah uh yeah awesome so let's do goals Ulalilia and a good king corner. Hell yeah! Uh, next, because I'll be. Oh yeah, I we I we finished uh, Castle Rock too. Um, which I oh would, it, we have to do that. I I'll would recommend to, it. Uh, I don't want to spoil and anything. I, but and I, I want to start the Outsider too because oh, that yeah. started on HBO. Have you started that? No, not at all. And because I yeah that one I know is like a book, and so I'm a little less. It's yeah. so far like in the future, but I don't know. But um, Castle Rock, I don't want to spoil anything, but I would just say that it is worthwhile for you to stick with it oh you know we're gonna finish it we're gonna for sure finish it it just it, it doesn't have the same pacing as the no it, it the pacing is a little weird it, it's kind yeah. of start and stop but like it really picks up at the end i don't I, yeah i don't want to spoil anything no but that's okay that, no i totally get it so let's do goals Ulalilia, and a good king corner next episode and uh hopefully we'll have some more information on the road trip to comic-con uh, start getting the bug in Moto's ear too on that maybe. Yeah. Um, sure, he'll, he'll be hearing this. <laughs> yeah. So mulling um, it over. But otherwise, long walkers, make sure you're following us at Twitter at LWSD Pod. Head over to our YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash Long Walk Short Drink. Uh, you can find all of our content. Uh, we have a lot of video content on there as well. Uh, particularly Dave's discussion about uh, Silver Bullet might show up try on there yeah try to post uh, that right video now segment. um head over to what lwsdpod.com you can download our 
um, the podcast episodes from there or from any of your streaming services that you get your podcast from. Uh, head to audibletrial.com slash LWSD, download or uh, sign up for your free Audible trial on us and get your first free audiobook on us. That's really what's on us, not the Audible trial. Uh, look up the Platform Master. Look up Ulilia. If any of what we talked about, this little tease about him has sound, sounded familiar or if it sounded interesting, uh, I really think it'll be worth your while. It, he is um, <sighs> he is an amazing character. For mm-hmm. sure, yeah, and he's not—he's um, not a, he's not a, a fictional one. He's like a real guy, <laughs> a real guy. I, I equated him to like a real, as much as I hate that fucking show, a real life Sheldon. Like oh he, yeah, I haven't seen enough of that show to really make the connection, but um, I, I, I really, what stands it. out to me is when he's like he's at he's buying the fireworks and he wants to donate the money to the like the oh yeah the the cause for the flood victims. But he wants them to see. And he like he like takes the money and he like holds it in. He's like, you don't see this every day, yeah, right? And he puts right. it in and they try to hand him a hot dog and he's like, nope, I just want to donate. And they're like, oh, thank <laughs> yeah. you. And like he's like, pizza. oh, yep. And as he's walking out, he's like, you don't see that every day. And right, it's just right. like, oh, stop shitting on it. You know, it's yeah. not a good thing yeah. if you're, you know, so because it's yeah, uh, his social like he does not have social skills. No social you skills. Tell whatsoever. He's just trying to be nice. And so. Um, yeah, well, you it, know, he's just trying to be nice, but it doesn't, you can see how it wouldn't read that way to them. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, definitely check out Ulalilia and then I'll have some good, I'm working on the Institute right now. It's picking oh, yeah, up a little yeah. bit and, uh, I'm digging it. So I'll have a little bit of insight on that and, uh, yeah, buddy. It's been a great episode. Yes, indeed. I enjoyed it. Thanks so much. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I'm, uh, man, the one, the once a month thing, I know you got a, a lot of projects and everything, but it's like it's so far in between. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. uh, but we'll come back in February. We'll have some good times. That's yes, for sure. Sir. I'm looking forward all right, to man. it. So, all right, buddy, we'll get some rest. I will uh, watch that 20-minute documentary, though, and let me know what you think. It's going to be first thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all, all right, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care, buddy. All right. Love you, buddy. do something a little special for us <laughs> it's that special oh yeah
I'll be up next, so don't go anyplace. We're going to try to get me started as soon as possible. Thank you very much. Thank you. Boy, it!